Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's my co my co-host and producer, Zachary Allen Goodman. This is the Bat Around. It is brought to you today by Pressbox Offers. Go to pressboxonline.com/offers now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at pressboxonline.com/offers. It is a beautiful Saturday morning here on Memorial Open Day up weekend those blinds, Paul. in Open up those Baltimore. Blinds. We are. Uh, Ready to get rolling here, and we're going to start the show um, on a bit of a somber note here. Former Orioles pitcher David Hess, um, who in his first season with the Orioles had, I believe it was a 3-9-0 ERA in 13 starts, and then uh, the next year in his first start, took a no-hitter into the sixth inning before Brandon Hyde removed him. We know what happened with David Hess after that. The home run balls came. He ended up in Tampa Bay. A couple of years ago, he was diagnosed with cancer. And he thought he had it beat. He had he was in remission. When he went to go get his next checkup, uh, they said that the cancer had come back. Well, uh, he posted yesterday on social media that the cancer not only is back, but it is now a very rare and very aggressive form of cancer called angiosarcoma, um, which is also he also now has nodules on his lungs, which also could potentially be the angiosarcoma. Or they could be something less significant. Either way, it is a um, not a great time in uh, David Hess and his wife's lives. Um, you know, just very, very good, humble people. Um, they are uh, very um, uh, spiritual. They have a, a, a good relationship with God. And um, they, they're keeping their faith through all of this. But it is just... Um, it's a terrible thing to happen to anybody, especially a guy who, for all intents and purposes, from everything we hear, is just one hell of a human being. Um, super sad to hear. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's. Uh, I saw that on Twitter yesterday, and it's definitely not the not the greatest news in the world. But uh, David, you know, talked about how he's going to keep fighting and and how uh, you know he's certainly going to do everything in his in his power. So that's great to hear, and and hopefully David, uh, you know, gets through this as fast as possible. Yeah, uh, hoping for the best here, uh, despite things looking like the worst right now. But keep the faith. He's going to keep praying. We'll keep praying for him. And, and I'm glad that Michael Elias came out and said that they're actively working to help out the Hess family. There's a GoFundMe up for that, too. If you guys He said also that the, the clubhouse, specifically the players, I guess who not many of them played with David Hess, but I guess a few of them might have. Mm -hmm. uh, Austin Hayes being one of them, I believe. Austin and Hayes, Cedric Michael Mullins, probably Anthony did. Santander, yeah, Gibbons, yeah, a good amount of them did, um, are trying to, to figure out things they can do for him as well, which is, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah, so... So um, we'll keep you up to date with that as we hear more. And, um, you know, just sending out prayers to David Hess and his family. Um, now, as far as the Orioles are concerned last night, City Connect jerseys, can't clip these wings. Well, you, nobody told Texas that. Can't clip the wings. You can cut them right off, though. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> what, what's that Incubus song, Megalomaniac? I, I, I cut off both your wings on principle alone. Well, the uh, Rangers did just that, taking down the Orioles 12-2. Grayson Rodriguez allows nine runs, eight earned, allowing three home runs in just yeah. three and a third innings pitched. Would have been a fourth home run if not for, and let's be realistic about this. Cedric Mullins' catch in center field, it's good. He, he did rob a home run. The degree of difficulty wasn't high on, on that home run catch. Like he, It was a straight-up jump and uh, up and down. 
You know, it's not like he was on a dead sprint and made a Mike Trout-like catch. He stood at the wall, took his time, jumped up, and caught the ball. Um, but it was he, he robbed a home run. Without that, that's four home runs and probably ten runs yeah. on Grayson Rodriguez's slate. And, Zach, he's been all season, one good, one bad, one good, one bad. Last night was the worst of the bunch. Um, yeah. But two starts ago was pretty damn close when he gave up eight runs to the Angels in yeah. about four innings. Uh, at this point, the Orioles are firmly in the thick of competition for yeah. the playoffs. And for, honestly, they're, they're in a pennant chase, right? It, and we know it's still just the second month of the season. But you can li- real, realistically talk about the Orioles in a chase for the pennant. With the, with the yeah, record that they have and still the second best record in baseball. Can you keep running Grayson Rodriguez out there every fifth day not knowing? Like they thought maybe he was tipping his pitches. Maybe yeah. they figured that out. Well... Then what the hell's the excuse for last night? Right. So I was on Glenn Clark Radio yesterday. We we talked about the tipping pitches situation. Stan and I both mentioned that we had noticed that. That's not something that was blatant, but they probably made some kind of mechanical adjust, adjustment to to help him get away from that. I didn't necessarily see anything different from the beginning of the season yesterday. Or really, I haven't seen anything different from the very first few games he pitched against Texas or, or wherever he was in, in the first three or four games he pitched. But I will say yesterday I said... You can't keep Grayson up here if it starts becoming seven, eight, nine runs a game. That's mm-hmm. not possible. But if it's manageable, like some of the worst games he's had, it's been four run runs. And that's manageable. You can come back and win that game. Yeah. If he's giving up seven, eight, nine runs, you're not going to win that game 99% of the time. That's just not winnable. He needs to be up here and learn as much as possible. But the fact is that the Orioles right now are, like you said, in the chase for a pennant and, prob- and the second best record in baseball. It's going to be very tough if your pitcher every five days is giving up seven, eight, nine runs. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. He might have a game like last last week where he gave up two earned runs in, what, five innings, six innings? Five innings. So that's a fine start. But I still haven't seen one start yet. I, wasn't there six innings of, of shutout ball from Grayson at one, at so one game? So he threw, he had back-to-back starts where he went five innings, no runs, and then, that's he, went, was, and then, he, and then he went five innings, two hits, Yeah. Um. One run, nine strikeouts. And, and those are probably his two best games by far. And, and the rest of them have been two earned runs, four earned runs, and then mm-hmm. the blow-up games, like eight earned runs, nine earned He gave up six runs to the to the Royals. Right. Um, he gave up eight runs to the Angels. and The A's he got hit around by. Was it the A's or the Royals that he... I, I, both. I, it was both. So he gave up... I think he gave up like seven runs to the, to the A's. He did. Six runs to the Royals. Yeah. Eight runs to the Angels. And... Right. Nine runs last night, eight earned to the Rangers. And right. this is like, it's not like he did six runs two months ago to the right. A's. It, it's literally six runs against the A's, or seven runs against the A's, and the next start he's good. Right. Then it's six runs, next start he's good. Then it's eight runs, next start he's good. Then it's nine runs. And, and at this point, what you're looking at is. A guy who every other start out there, you have to have your bullpen ready to come in in the right. fourth inning. And again, you can live with four or five runs. You can live with that. That's fine. I mean, you've seen Orioles pitchers do that for this entire century. But it's going to be completely different when you're giving up nine runs and you completely take away your chances, team's chances to win in the fourth inning. And, and that's simply what happened last well, night. And, and that's the other thing. You had the day off the day before. I get that the bullpen has been overused, right? Mm-hmm. But Rodriguez gets the first out there in the fourth inning. And then he gives up. He allows five straight runners to reach, and mm-hmm. he allows three runs to score. So he's allowed now a three-run homer to make it five to one. Right. And 
than the next two guys reach on a hit and a walk. At that point, he hasn't adjusted. Yeah, They're still hitting him. Take him out. That's what I'm saying. At 5-1, to one, take him out. Now, look, Jorge Mateo doesn't make a play on a, on a tailor-made yeah. double play that would have got him out, out of the inning down 5-1. to one. Mateo, with the way his bat has been this month, you have to make every single play in the field. Look, he had some yeah. incredible plays last night out at shortstop. But that play where it's a routine ground ball hit right at him and not that hard, where he loses the ball trying to take it out of his glove and throw to second base, that can't happen. Right. That absolutely can't no, happen. it can't happen. But as soon as that play happens, I'd say even before that play, you got to get Grayson out of there. You've got to get him out of there. Yeah. And, and it ended up being now all you've done is have him throw more pitches and still have the same amount of outs, and you're taking him out in the same situation. Now Only now it's now you're down 9-1 to one because the next batter he gives up the grand slam to Corey Seager. And at the end of the day, that's you know the value of Austin Voth. And having a guy like that who can follow and piggyback Grayson Rodriguez and say, okay, this is the fourth inning. I need to come in here with only one out on the board and get through what? I, I don't know how many Austin Voth went last night. He, but went, he, he pitched the rest of the fourth, and he, he, went, okay. th- he went three and two-thirds. Yeah, three, exactly. And that's the kind of things that Austin Voth can do that there are probably not so many other guys <laughs> in the Orioles' bullpen. Maybe Mike Ballman could do it because he has started his entire career, but right now he's been mostly like a, a late-inning leverage reliever at this point. To me, this is why you can't get rid of Austin Voth. And we talked about it on Glenn Clark Radio. Who's the odd guy out You know, right now in the, in the Orioles' bullpen? And almost all of us agree it's probably Austin Voth. But then again, you see performances like that last night, and you go, that's what you really need in the bullpen. And maybe that guy could be Cole Irvin. I mean, you could bring Cole Irvin back up, stick him there. But I, maybe, I, I think Grayson's getting sent down. I, I think he's getting I, sent I down because Cole Irvin just started two days ago. Yeah. I think he's getting sent down. I think Cole Irvin's next start is for the Baltimore Orioles. Again, it's and Cole Irvin hasn't exactly made my expectations high either. What he's done in AAA hasn't necessarily. No, he's been, been really good these past few games. Sure, no, but he's it, he, he's had one bad start. He's been really good, but down he there. hasn't been dominant. In my opinion, I, I'll look at the numbers. But he, he his two starts ago, seven innings pitched, two hits, no runs. Last yeah, that, start, that five, was that was best starting. Five, made, yeah. five innings pitched, two hits, two runs. He is his ERA See, I, is like three oh eight. He's been dominant. His last handful of starts. He had the one bad start at, at the very beginning when he got down there, and he's been really good since. And look, you traded. Yeah, you're right. Three twenty five is his ERA. Um, but he's only striking out four point eight. He's never been that guy, and he's never going to be. He, that he's guy. not. But last year in the majors, he struck out six point four. That's a huge difference. That's major league ball versus triple A. To me, the, the numbers have dropped off significantly, even from where he was in the majors last year. I'm, I'm okay. How many guys per game is um, Tyler Wells striking out? I'd have to look that up. I mean, he's he struck out, you know, eight, I, I would, I would eight, guess eight, eight in two of his last three starts, but lowest whip in baseball. Tyler Wells eight and a half, right? Nine. But generally speaking, he's before that. Like, if you look at his career numbers, like if you look at his numbers from last year in the rotation, it was like six. It was six point six. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm not too worried about the strikeouts. If you can throw strikes and get soft contact, yeah. You know I, what I mean? His walk percentage is two point eight percent. Cole right, Irvin's walk percentage is 2.8, strikeouts per nine is shockingly low. I, I don't care. I don't, right. I, I don't care. Well, let's I, let's I, see what he does I, at the major leagues. I, that, look that's, at look at Grayson Rodriguez's strikeouts per nine right now. Look, look oh, it's the, probably like eleven. It, yeah. yeah, it's it's up there. And how many runs has he given up? I don't think it's the same situation though. I don't think that number can be used in both of these arguments. But that's you know, look, that's fair. All all I'm saying is he's is that 
unless you want to talk Bruce Zimmerman, do you really want to see Bruce Zimmerman at the big league level? I don't think anyone wants to. Yeah, yeah. Cole Irvin is the one guy that has earned the right to come up here and replace Grayson Rodriguez. And Grayson Rodriguez is the one guy in the rotation right now who has earned a demotion. Yeah, you know, and, I agree. And and, agree it's, and it's not. And look, the Orioles have to be very diplomatic about this, has, and it has to be a cautious approach with him. Where you go up to him and it's like, look, we love what you do. We we love what you're capable of. We think that you're going to be a huge part of this team, even this year. Right now, man, you got to go down and you got to figure it out because we're in a pennant chase. They, this is the point where it's like you have to make these tough decisions in order to keep. In order to maintain your momentum. Right now, despite that loss last night, the Orioles are beating everybody. Yeah. They are beating everybody. The Yankees, two out of three. The Rays, two out of three. The Blue Jays swept. The Angels split. The um the Braves, they should have swept. They were two pitches away from sweeping that series. Yep. That that was that was tough to swallow. Did you mention Boston? The the Red Sox, yeah. you've you've uh you took two out of three from. And should have been three out of three had it, Ryan McKenna. Not dropped. Well, a no, no, that, they they lost two out of three. That oh, first you're right. Series. I'm but, sorry. But their, you're mo- right. their most right. their most recent series, they, they won they two won. out of three. Yes. Um, they every team that's being put in front of the Orioles, they are handling, and the the best teams they're neck and neck yeah. with. They are neck and neck with them through this 22 game gauntlet. Through uh, what is it now? Um, what are they through? 20 games, I guess, of of this gauntlet. That sounds about right. They are, I believe, they're thirteen and seven. Yeah. It, yeah, we expect we wanted them to be a five hundred ball club through this. They're thirteen and seven. They've already guaranteed that winning record through it. So now you're at a point where it's like, look, we've proven that our first month wasn't a fluke. We've proven that we're one of the best teams in baseball. Right. We can't continue to allow guys to go out there and give up six runs every start. We've got to make a move, and I am one hundred percent certain. They're acquiring at least one legitimate starting pitcher, if not multiple. They very well could. At, at, at the deadline, especially when you look at what Mike Elias said last night, where he said, "Look, Grayson is obviously is obviously limited with his innings this year. Wells and Bradish didn't have big long uh, big years last year, as far as innings are concerned. Mm-hmm. Wells didn't. You know, all four of these guys spent time on the injured list last year." The only guy that we know is going to be that we're going to be able to get through the season with is Kyle Gibson, and we can't have four fifths of our rotation on an innings limit if we want to make the playoffs. That right there tells me he's going to go out and get some starting pitching for this team. Yeah, and they they absolutely need it. And it, I mean, let's really look at this team. Let's and we're going to talk about guys that we think the Orioles should acquire both offensively and for on the pitching side of things in Orioles banter. Zach and I are each going to take three pitchers and three hitters and what it might take to get those guys. Um, and you you look at this starting rotation, they've been good. They're not great. After Grayson's start last night, that, that, that team ERA is creeping back. That, that starting rotation ERA is creeping back up towards five. Yeah, Kyle Gibson, before the last two starts, I'm sitting there and I'm like, can you really depend on him? And then he's gone out and thrown 14 innings and allowed two runs yeah. total his last two starts. Kramer's still allowing a ton of base runners despite minimizing the damage. Uh, Bradish, when he's good, he looks brilliant. When he's bad, it falls apart quick on him. Tyler Wells, we just mentioned the lowest whip in baseball, yeah. lowest on base percentage allowed in baseball, but every hit he gives up is a home run. He's allowed 11 home runs this year. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's It's... 
it, it, it's great that he's not that he's allowing four base runners every game. But when those four base runners are all home runs, and now he's gone five innings and allowed six runs because of it, it like that sucks. I have very little confidence in Dean Kramer right now as well. I, I mean, I we we talked about it last week, but I still do not think that Dean Kramer is going to be able to minimize the damage the way he's been doing. Yeah, because it, at some point. It's just not going to be like that. You play with fire, you get burned. Right. Eventually, he will get burned, and he will have a seven-earned run outing or something along those lines because the way he's been pitching lately has been anything but dominant. Yeah. He's just getting through it, and he's getting... I don't want to use the word lucky. I don't like using that word when it comes to pitching, but he's he's been... He's been on the luckier side of things. Let's just say that. It was like CNL Perez in his first handful of outings where he was allowing two, three base runners right. every inning, but somehow getting a double play, somehow getting a exactly. pop out, stuff like that, where it's like he's allowing too many base runners for this to continue, and then immediately following that, he imploded. It seems like so many innings, Dean Kramer will put two or three on with one out and somehow get out of it with, with very limited damage. Yeah. And it's just, you look at that and you go, how long is that going to last? Exactly. Exactly. And then you look at Kyle Bradish. Kyle Bradish, he, he loses command of the strike zone. And when, when that happens, right. then he starts trying to place the ball and he starts getting hit. And you look at the Orioles' rotation, and even with Kyle Gibson, man, I have no idea what Kyle Gibson we're getting every, every start. The yeah. last two have been really good. He's got to string three more together for me to, to think, okay, this guy isn't going to go out and give up five runs in, in five innings his next start. Yeah, and you know what's really frustrating, just to finish my thoughts on Dean Kramer, when he does have the outings where he's been dominant, where he goes, you know, the first three innings without allowing a hit, without allowing a walk, <coughs> then in the fourth inning, he'll just groove one right down, you know, a cutter, middle, mm-hmm. middle, and it'll, you know, complete tank home run, like, you know, 450 or something, and then it completely ruins the rest of his game. He gets thrown off completely just by one bad pitch, and that's something you can't do as a starting pitcher. Well, that was you, great. That was Grayson Rodriguez. You got to hold night. your composure. Yeah, that was right. gra- I mean, last night in the second inning, he gets two outs, two quick outs, and then walk, and then it's a two-two count, grooves one, two-run homer. Right. You should have been out of that inning. Yeah. You had you walked a, a dude three-two. You had two strikes on the third hit batter of the inning, and you walked him. Yeah. You had two strikes on the fourth batter of the inning, and you gave up a home run. You got to be out of that inning, and then the next inning he goes three up, three down. Yeah. Maybe if you don't give up that two-run homer, things are different. You know, it's just you've got to be able to command the strike zone, and you've got to have that out pitch. You've got to be able to get through innings. I'm not looking at anything out there. I just when I when I go on a tangent, I stare off into space. Um, um, you've got to be able to minimize damage and not cause the damage yourself. Yeah. Some if a guy just hits you hard. On a one-one pitch, okay, but if you've got two outs and two strikes, you've got to get out of that inning. You have you, to. You can't you suddenly to. walk a guy and then give up a two-run homer. And now it's it's going to get even tougher for the Orioles because you're looking at are Dylan Tate and John Means going to come back and help this team? Well, Dylan Tate, we'll start with him. He has a stress reaction in his elbow and in the elbow forearm area. It reportedly has nothing to do with the flexor strain. I don't think he's pitching for the Orioles at all. I think he's destined for surgery. I don't think he's pitching for the Orioles at all this year. And maybe never again. John Means, he has the scapula strain. This was doing an act- activation drills. It wasn't throwing. It wasn't pitching. It has nothing to do with his previous yeah. shoulder socket um, issues that, that caused him to miss starts uh, before Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Um, and Michael Elias said it's a minor setback. Probably means he's not back in July, but he still thinks he's going to pitch for the Orioles this year. You weren't sure what you were going to get out of John Means anyway. Right. This year. And let's be realistic here. John Means, as much 
he was really good on a really bad team. Yeah. And now you look at him. John Means on a on a good team is a number three, right? He's he's a number three. Yeah. I on, mean, on on a good team. So what are you really getting getting back from John Means? Another guy who throws a tons of ton of pitches. He'll give you five innings of a, with a hundred pitches. You know, and so you don't know what you were getting out of him to begin with, and now he has the setback. It makes it that much more important and that much more likely the Orioles have to go out and acquire starting pitching. Yeah, I mean, if you get 2021 version of John Meansbury through 26 starts, 3.62 ERA, a whip of 1.030, that's very good. I mean, that that's a that's a good starter. That's a two or three on this ball club behind probably Kyle Gibson, who's been the best starter on the Orioles this year by a wide margin, I would say. Um, and Tyler Wells has been very good as well. But lately, again, the, the home runs balls has been getting to him. But you look at... John Means, and yeah, he's probably a three or four. You're not going to get much out of him this year. If he comes back, he's probably going to be very innings limited, uh, mm-hmm. and what he does throw is going to be completely a question mark because if you remember, he kind of ramped up the velocity a little bit right before he got hurt. He was sitting more 94, 95, which wasn't something he, he had was, done a lot before. He was up there in 2020. He, he and, was and, as well. In 2020 and 2021. In 2020, he actually struggled a little bit because he said he increased that velocity, but then he came back up a little bit more. And, you know, he only pitched two games, and it was actually pretty good. He had 3.38 ERA through those two games. Um, but, again, you, you, you really can't put your, uh, your trust in John Means through the end of the year here unless something goes terribly wrong where the Orioles just desperately need John Means that much. And that's an outside possibility. And, and it's, it's an indictment on the, developing, the, the pitching development. Like, look, yeah. you know, Chris Holt and Darren Holmes have been really great mm-hmm. at, at maximizing the ability of the pitchers on the big league roster, yeah. but the, at the end of the day, there you can have you can count on how on one hand with fingers left over, the pitching prospects that you would even be able to trust in this organization. Well, that's what Dan Connolly wrote an article about what two, yeah. two years ago now that people yeah. flipped out. People lost their minds on Dan Connolly, but at the end of the day, he was right. He he looks to be at least I should say he looks to be right to this point because there hasn't been an, an influx of pitching prospects that have come up and really made a difference. Kyle Bradish has made a difference for sure. There's no doubt. But you look outside of him, and there's not that many guys. Yeah. yeah, And you're hoping Kate Povich is going to be one of those guys. You thought D.L. Hall was going to... Now we're at a point. D.L. Hall's last started went one in the third innings. He gave up six runs. The velocity's been down. It's either he's injured or he's trying to take take something off his fastball for more command. ERA so far a 5.06 yeah, in AAA. Yeah, and so... And that's going to be real... It was... Two starts ago, it was like mid threes. He he got his last start. He only went three innings. He didn't give up much. And then this start, he went one in the third, one and two thirds, and gave up six. So that's going to be inflated. The innings are down. The velocity's down because I think the velocity's down because they're trying. He's trying to find more command. I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah, you know. So it's just like now. And Deal Hall was one of the two prospects that Dan Conley said the Orioles had in in the rotation. Now, can you even depend on that? Can you even depend on that? And and Jean Pinto, Jean Pinto, however you pronounce his name, he's really good. He's in high A. Right. Long way to go. Long way to go. So and they've they've got some intriguing guys, who, but they're in the lower levels of the minor leagues. So Drew Rahm had been really good uh, to he's start not the a big year, but right now he ha- is sitting with a four five seven ERA. He's kind of been not so good these past few starts. I, so. I I put Drew Rahm and Bruce Zimmerman in the same category. No, I think Drew Rahm's better. I do think Jerome's better. But we'll see. I mean, he hasn't pitched at the major league level yet. He had that one call up and then was sent down without pitching. So we'll see what he ends up 
actually being at the major league level and i think they will give him a chance sooner rather than later not really because they want to but out of necessity and what's going to happen is he'll come up and they'll have a really good start yeah and, and then maybe two good starts and then the league will figure him out i don't think that, i don't i don't think drew rom is a big league pitcher. i mean bruce zimmerman had a stretch there where we thought okay this is maybe a, a three in a rotation a four in a rotation and then fell off a cliff because mm-hmm. once again just like tyler wells got bitten by the home run ball way too often yeah yeah uh, i i'm he was – who was the pitcher that pitched for the Orioles in 2021? He ended up going to Japan last year. Um, Dan Straley, was that his name? Oh, yeah, Dan Straley, yeah. Dan Straley, where he gave up, what was it, like 15 home runs in 12 innings or yeah, something he like was, that? Yeah, Dan Straley was pretty good for the team before the Orioles. And mm-hmm. I, I want to say the Marlins was the team. Maybe. And he was actually like a decent pitcher, like a, a high threes, four ERA guy. And he came over to the Orioles and gave up an insane amount of runs in so little innings. And I remember the first uh, appearance he actually made, I was at that game. It was a relief appearance. He came in like the seventh inning. They just wanted to get his feet wet, and he gave up like six runs. It was a train wreck. Wait, wait that, was, uh, that was 2019. That was a long time ago. That, yeah. that, was, that was 2019. It was. It, it, was, it was opening day. It was opening day. I was at opening day. Was they, it? They, okay. were pl- they were playing the Yankees, and John Means had given up like three runs in five or six innings, something okay. like that. And it was, when I say opening day, the home opener. Um John Means had given up like I think you're right, yeah. And, and they brought in Dan Strill and he gave up like six runs in, right, in yeah. two innings. Yeah. Like he was he just got hit. Late late in the game. They weren't really gonna win that game anyway, but then yeah. Dan Strilly. Yeah. Uh, when he came in, it was like three nothing Yankees, yeah. and then he gave he immediately gave up like three home runs. And at that point the Orioles were not gonna get out of that hole. Yeah. Not not that team. Yeah. So um rotation needs help. They they need help. I thought that they could be really good. And at times they are really good. They're they're adequate right now, but if they want to take that next step and they want to take this team with, with with the way they've been playing and they want to push it to the limits here you got to get some more starters you got to get some legitimate yeah. starters who can go out there and give you six to seven innings of two-run bar or less just about every time and to be honest Cole Irvin was a good thought by Michael Elias you can't mm-hmm. say he wasn't because the numbers were good again then, in, in, tr- in the major leagues last year over th- three nine eight and 186 innings pitch something right. like that he, it, look the jury's still out on him it, it's yeah, it it's is. May he got three big league starts yeah he had one appearance, in a third of an inning, um, his la- his only relief outing. The jury's still out on him. You know, the fact that the Orioles gave up on his starts as quickly as they did is kind of shocking to me when you think back on it. Because they did give up Daryl Hernandez, who's not, well, they, they, by they, no they, means. They gave up on it because they had an opening in the schedule. Yeah. They, they didn't need a fifth starter for a while. He was the one struggling the most in the rotation with the idea that they were going to bring him up. But then when they had Grayson making starts and they had... Kramer starting to figure it out, and that was right around the time that they that they went on that really nice stretch, right. like the, the first really nice stretch of starting pitching. And it was like, all right, well now who who are you going to replace? Yeah, um, yeah. who are you going to replace in the rotation with Cole Irvin? So, um, city can real quick city connect jersey thoughts. Really don't care that much. <laughs> I'll be honest. I mean, it's a jersey. At first I cared, and then I was like, all right, whatever. I, I mean, although last night I'm watching the game and it was in that that. Grayson Rodriguez blow up inning where the Rangers scored seven runs and I saw a base hit up the middle and I saw a guy in all black jump out of the way of the baseball and I was like what the oh it's the umpire <laughs> yeah it, it when when the umpire's jersey when the umpire's uniform looks just like your player's uniform I don't know I think that might be an issue <laughs> that is I mean black pants are never a great look in my opinion no I I don't I don't hate that and again it's not even that I don't hate it I just don't care but the fact that I thought the umpire was Jorge Mateo jumping out of the way of the baseball, <laughs> yeah. and I almost threw my remote at my TV before I real when I realized, oh wait, that's the umpire. Yeah, that's an indictment on the jerseys. I don't, 
I don't know. Who the hell cares? Yeah, whatever. I, They're I, gonna I, wear I, them I, this week. Uh, are they just? Did they just wear them last night, or is it the whole weekend? I think it's probably. I don't know. I I thought it was just last night, but I could be wrong. I don't know. It might be the whole weekend. I don't really know. I don't it, really. It, I don't really care that it's much. It's very limited. It's, it, it's a jersey at yeah. the end of the day. Whatever. And people people want it to reflect the city and represent it. And we, if you um, read the story, it kind of does. But yeah, that's it, just you know the 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 cool stuff's on the inside. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thanks. Um. Yeah. It, it takes me back to the when they did their future game back in 1999 when Albert Bell or 1990. Yeah, it was 99. Albert Bell hit three home runs, and they were wearing these sleeveless jerseys with silver numbers and it was just it was just a bad look and it, that's what I equate these jerseys to also also Jorge Mateo sucks offensively again we're gonna get into that a little bit here with Stan as we get him on the line I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma if I can, yep. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Joining us now for his weekly segment, he is Stan the Fan. Charles Stan, good morning. How are you enjoying this beautiful Saturday morning? Um, just getting going. Just getting going. Just getting going. Well, I hope you get a chance yep. to have some morning coffee outside. It is gorgeous out. Sam, yeah, wh- it's gorgeous. I'm going to get a good walk in after the second. So. Sa- sounds like a plan. I might have to do the same. Uh, Stan, yeah. Grayson was good after our last show where we talked about is this his last opportunity to prove it belongs in the rotation. And then he goes out last night, and he was maybe the worst we've seen him all year. At this point, are you on the ship of he's got to go down, or are you of the mindset he's got to figure out figure it out at the big league level because he has nothing to prove at AAA? Well, you know, I've got a lot of trust in uh, Michael Elias and and Chris Holt, uh, you know, to 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 figure that the answer to that question out. For me, it would be a send down. Uh, there wouldn't be any question about it. They may be stubborn about it and think that uh, they can they can turn this ship around. Uh, I always worried, and I think you guys know my what I what I talk about. Some of the notes I talk about. I always worried about Grayson Rodriguez. How few innings he was throwing in the minor leagues. This is even before injuries, you know, deprived them of the second half of last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I always point to the pandemic probably as the season where that would have changed, but you know, the 21 season, um, or the 20 season when, when he was too young to, to really be considered for the, uh, the camp that they had, what was it called? The extended camp or the whatever. Alter, the alternate training uh, site. The alternate training site. Right. He was sort of not quite ready for that. He may have been at it for part of that summer, but that was the summer that I would have liked to have seen him back pitching maybe like five and a half, six innings a game. Mm-hmm. He always, They always were worried about how many bullets Grayson had, and, and to me, they shunned the development part of what the minor leagues were supposed to be for him because they kept pointing to these great outings and I'd always see three or four innings, and I'd go, you take any any good pitcher, if he, if he knows he's only going to pitch three or four innings, he doesn't have to pace himself at all. It puts a little more hop on his fastball. It's, it's what a starting pitcher, it's part of the job, is to extend yourself 
and be able to get through six or seven innings. And they absolutely never did that with Grayson, you know, and I think it's come back to bite us. You know, Luke, Luke pointed out to me last night, he goes, a lot of these home runs are on the third trip around the order, you know? Yeah. And, and the other thing, Stan, um, to your point there is he's getting, he's getting the two strikes and it might not even have to be the third time through the order. He's getting the two strikes and not putting guys away. He he's not getting guys away. He's extending innings. For example, the first inning yesterday. Well, didn't he have didn't he have six strikeouts last night? He did, but he also three three plus innings. I mean, the 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 issue isn't what he does with some hitters. I was very disappointed. We had some people over for dinner last night. I go in the room by myself for a quick look, and we're up one nothing. And then a cousin of mine came back and goes, "Just gave up a two run homer." And and I'm going, oh, it must have been Nate Lowe or something. Gave up a home run to Leody Tavares. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tavares, I think, has one home run this year. He had one home run Grayson in like 140 at-bats. Well, Grayson Rodriguez shouldn't be the guy giving up the second home run to a guy like that. And it came right after a walk. With two uh, outs on a 3-2 so, count. And and, yeah. and and that was the point. Yep. In the first inning, he gets the first two outs and then goes 3-2 on the third hitter. He walks him. In the second inning, he gets the first two guys out then goes 3-2 on the third hitter and walks him. And then on a 2-2 pitch, gives up a two-run homer to a guy who had one yep. home run in the 140th batch. And that's what I mean by not putting guys away. You've got two strikes and two outs. You've got to get out of the inning. You you can't get, put guys on base and then find yourself trailing when that inning's over. And another point that you made, Stan, uh, talking about him not getting deep, and we were talking about it in spring training, he's getting through three innings fine, then he gets to that fourth inning, and he falls apart, and that's what happened again last night. Got to the fourth inning, seven runs later, the Orioles are down 9-1. to one. It's so look, look, we can, we, can, we can give him a ready-made excuse and say that that lat injury last year is, has still affected his ability to really extend himself, that there's fatigue there perhaps in those muscles. I don't know. But whatever it is, it's not, it's not what they need out of Grayson Rodriguez right now. And I think it's, I think, frankly, despite my confidence in Mike Elias and, and Chris Holt to do the right thing and figure it out eventually, it's not what the team needs right now, uh, you know, and I think it's sort of a little short-sighted and a little stubbornness where they don't want to admit that their number one starting prospect isn't ready yet. And to me, it's pretty clear that uh, we're not getting consistent enough performances out of him. And it's not like they don't have a ready-made alternative. You know, they gave up a pretty decent prospect for Cole Irvin. Mm-hmm. And the sort of the way the way the world works, Cole had the the option when they needed an arm, and they they sort of wanted him to to get straight, straightened out, strengthened, and ready to go. And to me, um, he's he's sort of the ready made answer to me, and I think he'd give the team a better chance to win every fifth or sixth day. At this point, I agree. He's been really good at AAA his last handful of starts, and I think it's time to make that move. And look, Stan, when you're when you're a contender, and make no mistake about it, the Orioles have proven this month that their first month wasn't a fluke. They're a legitimate contender uh, in the American League. These are the tough decisions you have to make. You have to go to your, your number one pitching prospect and say, hey, look, we believe in you. We think you're going to help us this season, but we got to get you right, mm-hmm. and we got we got to keep pace here. You know, you can't. He can't go out and every other start. He's given up six plus. That that can't happen. 
Yeah. You know, it just yeah. can't. And, but the other thing is, it, it really, you know, Austin Voth really took a bullet last night with mm-hmm. about 60 pitches. You know, it, it really can damage your pit, your whole pitching setup for two or three days and and deprive you of somebody that you really need when you got a chance to win a game because you're just trying to get through a game, you yeah. know. And he's leaving the club in that position a little bit too often. And to me, that's the that's sort of how you explain it to him. It's like we think you could work through this, but you know we're in we're in we're for real now. You know, using Glenn Clark's uh, thing, this is real that we're a contender. And don't don't get fooled by how poorly Toronto played for five or six days. You still have five teams in this division over 500. Yep. You have one of them that's totally excelled, the Tampa Bay Rays. But then you have us, and I'll tell you what, we're a better club than the New York Yankees right I, I now. I agree. You know, I, I look at that. I look at that New York Yankee lineup. Seriously, it's great that they got Judge back. Volpe's going to be a nice player. Rizzo's nice, but Willie Calhoun. You know, um, yeah, it's just. That's not a Yankee team that scares scares me at all. Yeah, it really isn't. That's why I got so frustrated when they when they were putting themselves in bad situations those first two games is because the Yankees legitimately have three hitters in their lineup that, that, that can hurt you every time up, and the Orioles were getting beat by them. That's why the Orioles were, were lost that first game and put themselves in a hole the second game. Is there letting You're talking about Torres? Torres, Judge, and Rizzo. I'm talking right? about I, I'm more so Judge. Well, I guess four then. Um, Torres, Judge, yeah. Rizzo, and LeMahieu. And those were the four guys that were beating you. Yeah, LeMahieu. Yeah. yeah, those are the yeah. four guys that were beating you. And it's that's why it was getting so frustrating. I think that the Orioles overall are a better team than the New York Yankees yeah. because they, I think they have just more versatility. But, you know, that's a story. But, for but, the, over, a seven, but over a seven, nine-day period, the Red Sox can move up three or four days. You know, in other words, we do also have the the uh, extra benefit of a third wild card, yeah. you know, this year that that gives us a chance. But again, it's it's not meant as punishment. It's meant as a proactive approach to getting Grayson straightened out and then being able to really have six starting options. And you and I know between the two of us, and Zach knows as well, we're going to get another injury somewhere along the line. Yeah, you know. Yeah. With a Dean Kramer, a Bradish, Tyler Wells, you know, yeah. uh, and that would be nice to have Grayson back pitching fifty great innings at at uh, Norfolk, you know, and, rather and, than what he's doing now, which is nerve wracking for him in between starts. It's just a, uh, it's not a good situation for him at the major league level right now. And Stan, I think it puts the writing on the wall a little bit even more. You talked about. Um... Uh, we, we talk about, you know, the, the starters and, the uh, you know, both taking a bullet and this, that, and the other. And you're looking at Mike Elias and the comments that he made last night about how Wells and Kramer and Bradish and Rodriguez are, were all limited last year. They all spent time on the IL, so they're all going to be limited this year. And you can't have four-fifths of your starting rotation uh, that are gonna that are on limits this year, so they got to figure out how yeah. to keep these guys fresh. But I also think it means that he is one hundred percent going out and getting some starting pitching for this team prior to the August first deadline. I think it's a foregone conclusion at this point. Yeah. Uh, and and the other news came out yesterday that John means the idea that he'll be ready in July is uh, out the out the door. Yeah. You know, it's almost as if it's almost as if. The, 
you know, if they get 15 innings out of him in September or something like that, that's the way it's looking now, that he, he will be a full go next spring training, fingers crossed, but that he's not really going to offer the team much because of this, what, what's it, a scapula? He's got a scapula uh, strain doing activation yeah. drills, whatever they are, but they they said it had nothing to do with throwing or the Tommy John surgery or yeah. shoulder socket issues from the yeah. past. It's just something that happened yeah. working out. Um, and, yeah. and even then, Stan, what were we really expecting out of John Means? Anyway, everybody thinking he's going to come back and be the no-hitter John Means from May of 2021. You're fooling yourselves. He's coming off a very serious yeah. injury, no, I mean, very I serious thought surgery. Maybe we'd get, I thought maybe we'd get 10 starts out of him, yeah. 50 innings, 40 innings, something like that. Well, probably, you know? but and maybe, the quality of the Maybe starts. he'd be, yeah, but maybe by by the end of the season, he might be really rounding into form for the postseason. That was my hope with yeah. John Means. But yeah. you can pretty much throw that out the window now. I think you yeah. can also throw the idea of Dylan Tate pitching for the Baltimore Orioles in 2023 out the window. He has now a, um, a what is it, a flexor, a stress reaction in his elbow, forearm yeah. area. It reportedly has nothing to yeah. do with the flexor strain. Stan, I think this guy's headed for surgery. I think he's done for the year. I, I just don't see him. You know, he's coming back from, from the strain, the flexor strain from November takes him until the beginning of May to get in, or the, maybe the last week of April to get on a rehab assignment. He gets lit up on the rehab assignment. Now he has a new injury in the same throwing arm. I just think it's on the wall that he's... he's yeah, done. the idea that he's going to help... It, it, I, I'm not, I don't know enough about the injury to say the season's over, but he won't help the team at all until at least late July, early August, if, if, he, if at all this year. But the good news is they've discovered Mike Bauman and Yenier Cano. Those mm-hmm. were two pretty much unknowns going into the season this year. Uh, and they added Michael Givens, which was a very smart move. So they've added, in a way, three arms to that bullpen, you know. Well, and also... And I don't know, when they get when they get their... Uh, I, you know, I respect Mike Elias and, and the team. But, you know, but when they get their heads out of their collective asses about D.L. Hall... Uh, the notion that that guy will ever be a starting pitcher. It just, you know, what's his ERA now? 5.09. He's averaging a little over four four innings a game. Not not working for me. Yeah, um, he's been really good at times. He's been really bad at times, including his last start where he gave up six runs in under two innings. And But, you know, Stan, I'll tell you, the, uh, uh, getting back to uh, um, Grayson Rodriguez's start, the, the silver lining of what happened last night is that you didn't use Coulomb, Baker, Givens, Bauman, Cano, or Bautista, yep. and yep. those guys are now on two days rest each, so that bullpen should be yep. at full strength for the Orioles, minus both and Perez tonight, um, yep. so that's or this afternoon. So that's that's a uh, silver lining for that terrible game that we saw last night. Uh, Zach, you have a point to make. Yeah, Stan, you you mentioned Michael Givens, and obviously he just came back, and he's only pitched a few games thus far, but really only one good pitched game out of the three he's thrown. What have you thought of Givens so far? Is it what you expected, or do you think the injury is still lingering for him a bit? Well, the first thing that struck me with uh, Michael Givens, you know, he was was not a pup when he first came up to the major leagues, because he, you know, was trying to be a position player uh, through his early years, uh, he's about what thirty or thirty-one now, Michael. Yeah, I think he's thirty-two. I think he's thirty-two. Thirty-two. Yeah. He he's a full full-grown man now, and I don't like the extra weight that he's put on uh, since the last time I saw him pitch. You know, 
which is about four years ago. Uh, he's, he's a different physical specimen. You throw in that he's coming back from an injury. I, I still trust he will round in the form because he's been a pretty solid pitcher. But um, uh, I haven't liked what I've seen from him yet. You know, I mean, that was in a, a, just an absolutely abhorrent uh, appearance the other night in Yankee Stadium. Well, that, that, that appearance was bad, but it was he also is pitching in the middle of a, of a torrential downpour. And to me, it just looked like he had no grip on the baseball, one. And two, I don't know. Uh, he, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And yeah. two, I don't know that he should be pitching. Coming off an injury where he missed the end of spring training, he hadn't pitched in the big leagues at all this season, I don't know that he should have been pitching three days out of four coming he pr- off the He probably IL. should not have been. Yeah, I, I, they, they could have gone to somebody else in that situation. Stan, that's an interesting point you make about the weight, though, because he is six foot and now 250 pounds. That's yeah, he a, put on some pounds. That's a big six-foot person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize it was even that heavy. But and it, he's, and looks, it looks like he's easily 25 pounds heavier than he was in his prime, yeah. his prime uh, years, you know. And I'll tell you what. You look at the Toronto Blue Jays, the two most striking things to me when we played them last week and swept them up in Toronto was how heavy Alex Manoa is. Mm. He looks like he's put 35 pounds on, and he was a big boy to begin with. Uh, he looks like a bear now. And I always gave uh, Guerrero uh, props for taking weight off going into the 22 season. Well, he put every bit of that back on, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, weights are, weights are very important, um, to me, it's always sort of a, a, a predictor for performance. You know, if I see a lot of weight on somebody, I, I worry that they're going to be the same. And I'll always remember the anecdote that Jim Palmer told through his, what, 18, 19 year career is that he always tried to come into spring training five pounds lighter than he was the year before. Yeah, you got to keep, keep yourself. Certainly, game Michael Givens. Certainly, Michael Givens didn't come into camp five pounds lighter than he was last year, and nor did Alex Manoa. Alex Manoa or uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Man- Manoa is listed at two eighty five. He's he's every yeah. bit of that, if not. A- more. At least he's six six though, so that helps a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, he's he's heavier than. He's that. a big, he's a big boy, but boy, when I saw him last week in the dugout. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think he was pitching that day, but he's he is huge, absolutely. I, I think it's what happened when CC Sabathia's career started to take a downturn before he picked it back up at the end of his Yankees tenure. He had put on way too mm-hmm. much weight. You you look at the same thing with Michael yeah. Pineda, and now and honestly, I think it's one of the oh, biggest. Pineda Pineda's a dis- was a disgrace. Yeah, and Cologne was a dis- Cologne had a terrific career, and he he was fun to 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 pencil in, you know, and, and watch. But he, he never really tried to keep himself. What, what about Miguel Sano? You know? He's about 280 pounds. Demetri Young ate his way out yeah. of the league, too, if you want to go that far. But yeah. I also think it's one of the biggest factors with what happened to Dylan Bundy's career is that guy put on way too much weight, I thought. You would yeah. see him in the first inning. He'd throw to two batters, and his entire body would be drenched in sweat. Uh, to me, that was a big <laughs> factor in what happened to Dylan Bundy. Um, and now we're seeing well, him get, get ejected I, my, from games in the minors. My theory on Bundy was that, because I remember uh, the, the guy who drafted him, he was our director of scouting back then. I forgot he left us for the Phillies after he was let go. I forgot. His, his quote when he drafted Dylan Bundy, we watched him in, in high school, and he was a 
a man against boys. And, uh, you know, if you look for a definition of steroid user, uh, yeah. that might re- really fit into it. Because and, and remember, we were told what a workout warrior he was, yep. Dylan Bundy. Yep. And all of a sudden, after the injuries and, and they tightened up on drug testing and all that, he wasn't. He didn't look like a warrior anymore, a workout warrior. Anymore. I thought the same. And thing. he was. I've never seen. I've never seen. Did you ever see the movie? Uh, the movie Network with uh, Albert Brooks. Um, I don't think so. I'm a big okay. movie guy. He he played he played a very funny part of a an aspiring uh, news anchor who gets the the break to to host the news one night and the sweat is pouring off of him. I haven't seen anybody sweat like that other than Dylan Bundy. And that was a joke in the movie. It was a total joke that he was sweating that much. Bundy, it was just, uh, it was really sad to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And and now he's in the minor leagues getting thrown out for using illegal substances uh, on the baseball. So, with a ten and a half ERA, it shows you how far he has fallen. Somebody else, Dan, who's yeah. fallen really, really far, is Jorge Mateo. He looked like a brand new player in April. He was hitting everything. He wasn't missing breaking balls. Just on top, and then playing yeah. great defense on top of it. Now he's hitting well under, well under one twenty in the month of May. Made that crucial error on a on a potential inning-ending double play ball last night to let the floodgates open. Are we getting close yeah. to the point now where you look at Jorge Mateo and say, "Look, man, we we got we got to do it. You're you're at at this point, you're a super utility guy. We got to get an everyday shortstop that can hit the baseball." Uh, well, that's you know, for me, I'm still, despite the error last night, I'm still uh, captivated by him defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, such a plus defender um, that that he can play a while. Uh, I'd sure like to get. Some somebody that's halfway in between the April Mateo and the May Mateo, though. You know. Yeah, I, I think that Ortiz. I mean, can they be do that, have though. the luxury. They do have the luxury of putting Ortiz. You know, bringing him up, but uh, he can only I, come I back know. up now uh, before the 15 days due to an injury. That's the only way they can yeah. bring him back up yeah, at this yeah. point. And then you yeah. have Westberg. He's not on the 40 man, but he scorched four baseballs last night and recorded two doubles. There's nothing left for him to do with AAA. You can move Gunner over to shortstop and have Arias play third base. I, I like Jorge Mateo. I like the defensive value. I like the speed, but you can't even use the speed if you're not getting on base. And he's not getting on base, Stan. It, it's he's a hole in the lineup at this point, and it, it stinks because you knew that what he did in April wasn't sustainable, but you hoped it was kind of a, a glimpse at the player he was going to be, that he was going to be far better than he yeah. was last year, and now he's yeah. back to last year, if not worse. Yeah. It's been bad. Yeah, that's that, that's a decision that's probably two, two to two and a half weeks away, you know. Mid, mid-June, yeah, mid-June, if he hasn't picked things back up a little bit, they'll, they'll do something there. I, I have to be honest, though, I don't like the idea of uh, moving Henderson over there. I, I like long-term Henderson is a third baseman, not a shortstop. I think he's a better he, he, right he, now. I think he's a better shortstop than he is a third baseman, but he's also twenty-one no. years old. Well, yeah, I, he probably is a better shortstop now, but he's not a he's not a, a top-tier caliber defensive shortstop, yeah. and won't be because he's going to get bigger. He's yeah. going to get bigger. Yeah. Um, yeah, Henderson. The bat seems like it's starting to slowly but surely come around. How are we feeling about him at this point? 
Well, I, I wrote about that in spring training that, you know, uh, the, the notion of a guy as young as he was that came, came up so quickly uh, through the system and certainly defied, you know, the odds at making the major leagues last year and performed at a pretty high level last year. The notion that it, the trajectory was just going to go up. When I left spring training, he was struggling. And I wrote that we're going to have to probably, you know, he's a guy that's sort of like, you know, you know what's inside there. Uh, and you just got to, you got to stick with a guy like that. Yeah. It's not the same with a starting pitcher like Rodriguez because it impacts the rest of the club, you know, the way he leaves, leaves the uh, pitching staff vulnerable. Um, but Henderson is slowly coming on. I imagine he's going to have a big, uh, a much improved June, and I think July and August he'll he'll really be raking. And that's that's going to be a huge coup. I just have that confidence. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's yeah. he's. I, I like his even though he was still walking a ton. I like his approach a little bit better right now at the plate than what I saw earlier when he was really struggling to put the bat on the ball. And I also like his swing looks better. His swing looks shorter, more compact, and he's making a lot of a lot louder contact right now than he was uh, prior to the last week or so. So I'm I'm excited to see where he's going to go from here. Stan, you put out your um your uh, power rankings weekly. Your most recent one, the Orioles were your number two team in baseball. Um, to me, this team is really good. They've proven that they can they can hang with anybody in the league. Starters are pitching to nearly a five ERA. They're fifth in base, fifteenth um, in baseball, so right in the middle of the pack in batting average, and twentieth in home runs. What makes them the number two rank, number two ranked team in your power rankings? Is it, is it just that intangible that they just know how to win? I, th- I think that would be a good way to describe it, Paul. I, I really do. I think this is a team that uh, you know the, the sum is greater than the you know. The, the parts, you know, then equal to the, the individual parts. Mm-hmm. There's something about this team that's impressive as a team, and I think it's highly reflective of the manager. I think, uh, I think you know, Mike Elias deserves a lot of credit for the man he picked out. You know, he had a whole host of options back then. Uh, we kind of knew he was going to go the young, younger, more inexpensive route, but he... Um, he interviewed several people, and I think he picked out a winner in Brandon Hyde. Yeah, and, and I, I got to be honest with you, Stan. I've I've been as hard, if not harder, on Brandon Hyde than anybody else. Um, but you can't deny the that the players play hard for him when he's on the field. He's got their backs. He's hard nosed on the field. To me, he's just his. The, the team's ability, their tenacity, is a reflection of his personality, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and it's, sometimes I, I don't like the decisions that he makes in games, and I scratch my head over them. But at the over them, but at the end of the day, this team is one of the best in baseball right now. They play hard every single night, and I, 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 even I have to admit that that's a reflection of the manager. Yeah, you know, you go back to that pandemic season. You know, remember. Uh, six or seven teams. I'm not saying every manager had teams lapsed, but he didn't get one lapse, you know, of, of somebody going out and getting COVID, you know, because he, he, he impressed upon them the importance of something and they, they understood it and respected him enough to, to honor the, uh, you know, the protocols back then. 
which weren't, you know, it wasn't easy for any of us, mm-hmm. you know, during that. And ball players, after, you know, they're high energy people, and they wanted, they didn't just want to go back to their hotel rooms, you know, and stay with each other. They wanted to go out and party. Yeah. You understand that, but at that time, it was necessary and important, and was really selfish of those that didn't, and potentially could have impacted their whole teams. Brandon and I didn't have one blip on that, and I always remembered that as a sign of the fact that his players respected him. Not to be a contrarian, but DJ Stewart and Anthony Santander did get COVID during the spring training ramp up. Uh, okay. Do you do you mean like it during the season? Uh, I mean, basically, once the season started, sure. I didn't remember that, but I didn't even. But once the season started. I remember stories. Remember Mike Clevenger? They caught him. He was with the Indians, and I think he may have even been coming back from an injury or something. It was but Clevenger he got and suspended. Yeah, Clevenger and Plesak, right? Yep. But, I, the, but those stories were replete throughout the league. There were eight or 10, 12 teams that had, the, you know, the Marlins, sort of mini. The Marlins yeah. lost two thirds of their roster and then came to Baltimore with replacement players and swept the Orioles in four games. I, re- I remember right. that very well. Yeah. So, right. Stan, what do you got coming you got up this week? got a great memory. It, yeah, it's like an, I'm like an uh, elephant no when it comes to things I love. <laughs> yeah. No show no show Monday night because of the holiday. Thursday, I've got a feeler out for a couple of people, and we'll have somebody interesting on Thursday with Gary Stein and I. And then the boys, Ross and, and myself and uh, Luke Jackson will be on a week from Monday. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, we will look forward to that. Stan, I want to remind you, we do not have a show next Saturday. Zach and I are both going to be out of town. So we will talk to you in two weeks. Enjoy the long holiday All weekend. Right. That sounds good. And the power rankings will be out Monday. Just a, There won't be comments with them, but there will be a list of the, the 30 teams in order. All okay? right. We'll look forward to that, too. Have a great talk weekend, Stan. See Thank you. Bye-bye. And that was Stan the Fan Charles, who has changed up the format for his weekly shows. Now, every Monday at 6 p.m., Stan will be joined by former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley and Press Box's managing editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the birds. Every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein will chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Gary called up with Rocks with Rocks. Fox 45's Rocco DeSangro. You can you can watch the shows live at Facebook.com slash PressBox or find them the next day at PressBoxOnline.com slash video and YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. So join Stan, Ross, and Luke Jackson every Monday night except this coming Monday because of the holiday at 6 p.m. We're going to catch our first break when we come back in. Um... Skipping sounding off uh, today, Zach doesn't have anything for us, but we do have a fun segment coming up on Orioles banter a little bit uh, later on in the show. When we come back in, though, it's the payoff pitch around the league. That's next on The Bat Around. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Welcome back in to the Batteron Press Boxes. Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR this week. The guys caught up with Orioles legends Ken Singleton, Greg Olson, and Pro Football's Talks' Mike Florio. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. I will be with Glenn on Tuesday. I was with Glenn yesterday. We're off on Monday for Memorial Day, but we'll be back. Not entirely sure who we're going to have, but yesterday I uh, had two minor leaguers in Maxwell Costas, the former uh, University of Maryland standout at first base, uh, and Jared Beck, who's looking to make himself the first seven-foot player uh, in Major League Baseball. So go catch up on those. They are obviously in the Glenn Clark Radio archives. Paul, back to you. (laughs) All right, and now it's time for the payoff pitch around the league. You're going to notice a, um, a theme here. With uh, with these, we'll see. Oh, if you, I love when you do if, this. If if you pick up on it, 
The Reds connected on 19 hits, including seven doubles and a triple, while Hunter Green struck out 11 in six hit- hitless innings as the Reds laid waste to the Cubs 9 to nothing. There's no theme there. Um, Tim Anderson collected four hits, and Andrew Vaughn and Yoman Kata each tallied three RBIs as the White Sox tamed the Tigers 12 to 3. Yandy Diaz doubled twice in Homer, driving in two to pace Tampa Bay as the Dodgers dodged the win column, fall- falling to the Rays 9 to 3. Grayson Rodriguez allowed nine runs on three home runs, and Texas scored 10 plus runs in a game for the 13th time to clip the Orioles' wings. 12-2, Adley Rutschman reached all four times with a walk and three hits, including his eighth home run in the loss. Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr. homered while Joe Musgrove allowed one run in six in the third innings to help the Padres leave the Yankees feeling less than dandy 5-1. to one. Uh, Shane Bieber pitched into the seventh, allowing just two runs to ground the Cardinals 4-3. to three. Nick Castellanos tripled and drove in two, and Taiwan Walker scattered ten hits in six and two-thirds innings to help the Phillies send the Braves running scared 6-4. to th- six to four. Luis Garcia went 6-for-6, six six, including two doubles in an eight-run sixth inning. As the Nationals made the Royals look like court jesters, 12-10, Bobby Witt Jr. homered twice and finished a triple shy of the cycle in the loss. Mitch Hanniger homered, doubled, and drove in four to lead a 19-hit attack as the Giants threw the Brewers in the drunk tank 15-1. Kevin Kiermeyer continued his hot season with a triple and a home run. Bo Bichette drove in two, and Kevin Gossman struck out eight and five in the third innings of one-run balls. The Blue Jays orphaned the Twins 3-1. Francisco Lindor homer driving in four, and Brendan Nimmo hit two triples as the Mets tapped the Rockies 5-2. Max Scherzer struck out eight and seven innings of one-run ball to pick up the victory. Jorge Soler homered, and Jesus Lazardo allowed one run in five innings as the Marlins made it a living hell for the Angels 6-2. Kike Hernandez homered, and Chris Sale continued his hot streak with five innings of one-run ball as the Red Sox made D-bags out of the D-backs 7-2. <laughs> Hunter Brown struck out ten over seven innings as the Astros made the Athletics look unathletic 5-2. And finally... The Pittsburgh Pirates flooded the Seattle Mariners with seven home runs, and despite Mitch Keller's worst outing of the year, allowing six runs in five innings, he picked up his sixth win as the Pirates sunk the Mariners. What was the final score now? 11-6. to six. Eric Garfield was kind enough to uh, send me some news over. Grayson Rodriguez has been optioned to Keegan Aiken, recalled uh, so far this morning. So, not maybe the the move everyone wanted, but Keegan Aiken is back. Well, in it's that's temporary. Keegan Aiken may yeah. stay, or he may go back down. For, and, and it's a lefty. Yeah, uh, it, it's so. They, they, now they have an extra guy for long relief, and it's going to be. I, I I guarantee you that when Grayson's turn comes in the rotation again. Um, it's going to be Cole Urban, and somebody's going to get set down. Yeah. And it's probably going to be Aiken in favor of Cole Urban. I mean, this, so they brought up. We'll, we'll talk about this obviously more later. But they brought up Jerome the other day. I wonder if they might try to give him a chance since they were willing to bring him up the other day. I can't. That was I, to I, provide long relief. I think if, yeah, if it's going to be a starter, and considering we that can't rule it out though. Cole, is that what your phone? Was that no? I have no. You know what? There's these fans in this thing under the computer to keep the computer cool. Ah. And I think one of the fans just hit the you, just are, you, hit, are you saying shit hit the fan? Hit, yeah, shit hit the <laughs> fan. Uh, this Glenn Clark Radio read ran into this. We'll just throw that away. But all right, uh, today on um, tap. Real quick, Cole Irvin started, I think, the day before Grayson Rodriguez. So I, I think it's Cole Irvin who's going to take Rodriguez's okay. spot in the rotation. Yeah. I'm going to get some water while you do this. Sounds good. Padres and Yankees, first game of the day, 105. Michael Waka against Luis Severino, only making one of his uh, first few starts of the year, but he's got a 1.93 ERA thus far. White Sox and Tigers, Jesse Schultens versus Michael Lorenzen, 110 at Comerica Park. 
Blue Jays and Twins, 210 at Target Field. Chris Bassett will take on Pablo Lopez, two pitchers with a really good start to the year. Andrew Heaney, the lefty, goes against Dean Kramer, the righty. Rangers and your Baltimore Orioles at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. That will be at 4.05, a day game today. You still have time to get out to that one. From Valdez against To Be Determined, Astros and Athletics, 4.07 at O.co. The Nationals and the Royals will face to face. Josiah Gray and Brady Singer, 4.10 at Coffin Stadium. Josiah Gray has been very good for the Nationals this year. Vince Velasquez, Luis Castillo, 410 at T-Mobile Park. That's the Pirates and the Mariners. Dodgers and Rays, 410 at Tropicana Field. Clayton Kershaw and Tyler Glasnow. Glasnow making his first start of the year. Kershaw, another incredible year for Kershaw. He's under a 3 ERA. He's won six games already. He's been unbelievable. Phillies and Braves, Zach Wheeler, Charlie Morton, 410 at Truist Park. Wheeler and Morton, the two righties going head-to-head in that division. Logan Webb and Corbin Burns, Giants and Brewers, 410 at American Family field who Rob Manfred apparently wants to make the Brewers leave uh, that's 410 with between the Giants and the Brewers Red Sox and D-back Garrett Whitlock goes for the Sox Zach Davies goes for the D-back 715 in Arizona Brandon Williamson lefty takes on Jameson Tyon the veteran righty 715 at Wrigley Field Jack Flaherty will take on Taylor it's I always call him Taylor Always call him Taylor. Tanner Bybee as the Cardinals take on the Guardians, 715 in Cleveland. Mets and Rockies, Justin Verlander takes on Chase Anderson, 910 at Coors Field. And then the final game of the night is at 1007 between the Marlins and the Angels. Exciting pitching matchup as Edward Cabrera takes on Shohei Otani. It's a really good 1010 matchup. 1007, excuse me. Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. God, he's so good. He's quite good. By the way, I, I wanted to mention this to you because it came to my attention this week that one of the players who you called uh, one of the, the wor- <laughs> how am I supposed we, to, ta- we, how am I supposed to take you seriously? We, after we, well, we had a guy on our show, a guest who I will not name. That is true. Who slurped his coffee like that while we were talking to him right in the microphone. Anyway, uh, Juan Soto has been very, very good. I mean, he looks back to possibly being Juan Soto and his, his OBP is around 430 right his now. His OPS is like 960 yeah, plus. He's, Juan Soto is finally, most likely, I don't want to make it definitive, but he most likely is back. And I just wanted to let everyone know because we, we railed on Juan Soto the other day on the show. and uh, The other day. Like, not the like, other day. Like a, a month couple, ago. A couple months ago, whatever. It was a couple shows ago, really. But he, Juan um, Soto might be back. Yeah. Look, there was no doubt that he's a great hitter. A great baseball player. Nobody was doubting that. But the fact remains that he hit like 240 for the Padres last year. I think less than that. Yeah, he had 236, 246 for the Nats. Yeah, so, and, and so... 242 total. 242 total. And then this year, through the first month, he was hitting like 230. And, yeah. and so you have to look at that and say, dude, the walks are great, man, but you are underperforming. Same thing we were saying about Gunnar Henderson, right? The walks sure, are great, yeah. man, but you got to start putting bat to ball. What's amazing is that Adley Rutschman leads the American League in walks, and Juan Soto leads the National League in walks and the Major Leagues. I think Adley Rutschman, did he walk last night? I don't believe he did. Because he was at 40 before last night. No, he did. He, he, he did walk last he night? Walked, okay. He went 3-for-3 three three with a home run, and he walked. Okay, so he had Rutschman, a Rutschman at 41, and after last night, Juan Soto was at 48 walks already on the season, an on-base percentage of 422, and he's slugging 514. Yeah. He's been Juan Soto. Yeah, and here's the day that I dream of, when the top three, four in your order consist in some fa- form or fashion of Colton Kowser, Gunnar Henderson, and Adley Rutschman. Right. Those, oh my God, you, 
They've got to stop batting Anthony Santander and Ryan Mountcastle back-to-back. It came close last night when they had Hayes batting fifth. Just go Santander, Hayes, yeah. Mountcastle, 3-4-5. The fact that Hayes isn't batting in the middle of the order, night in, night out, is it, it, I don't see a valid reason for it. Every ball he hits is hard. I mean, he'll pop up, part, uh, yeah. pop up every now and again, but when he, for the most part, when he puts a ball in play, he stings it. I, I think the problem is that they face so many righties, as every team does, right, and that Hayes cares? just isn't as good against righties. He, he yeah, but, well, because actually, that's not that's not true. Excuse me, Hayes is worse against lefties. Even still, just put him in the middle of your lineup and leave him there. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you're not you're not gonna get a guy to start getting better against a certain type of pitcher. Yeah, by not I, playing. I, I'm him. just trying to play devil's advocate. No, no, I, trust me, I, I I get it, I get it. There's a certain point though, and this is where you know, as much as. Uh, again, I admit it to Stan, I admit it to everybody that's listening to the show, that I do believe that the Orioles' tenacity and their ability to come back and their ability to win the, all these baseball games that they've won is a direct reflection on the personality of the manager. I think that yeah. Brandon Hyde, as far as leading this team, his personality, his fire, mm-hmm. I think is really good for this team. Yes, I question a lot of his decisions, but I feel like we'd do that with any manager, although I never, re- I, I, I never remember questioning Buck this much. Buck uh, Showalter I, is a different breed, though, of yeah. manager. There's not many like him in, yeah. in the major leagues, and I, there and never the, will be. I, I 100% agree. And what Buck meant to, to went, meant to this city, this fan base, this team, what he meant to me yeah. uh, was I, I will always love Buck Showalter. Yeah. He was like, he made the Orioles like sustainably good. And so respectable, too. Yeah. Buck Showalter is a stand-up guy. Just a good quality human uh, yeah, being. Yeah, I wish he was having more success in New York. This year they're having yeah, a, a rough start. That, yeah, they had some injuries, but now they've got Scherzer and Verlander back. Yeah. I think that they're going to take off here soon, and yeah, and that's going to be that's kind of kind of lead us into Orioles banter here, a little bit. Um, but yeah. What the hell were we just talking about? I completely lost my train of thought. Starting to talk about Buck because well, we, we were on Brandon Hyde's managerial decisions. Yeah, and I. But that's not what we were talking about. We were talking about Brandon. Oh, we, were, Hyde. we were back to Juan Soto and and the San Diego Padres a little bit, and then also uh, some of the three and four hitters. Oh, oh, right. For, the, for the, the, the three, the three, four, five hitters should yeah. be Santander, Mount Ca- uh, Santander, Hayes, Mount Castle. But I really, oh my gosh, and we could see it at some point this year, where you have Colton Kalzer, Adley Rutschman, and Gunnar Henderson hitting in the middle of the Orioles order. Right. It, it's and oh my god, man, that's going to make this team so much better. I was telling Glenn yesterday that you, it, yesterday I believe, <laughs> that was a weird accent you put on it. Yesterday, Some, sometimes just things come out weird. Um, <laughs> that's what she said. Yeah. Um, no, no, as soon as I said it, uh, Colton Kowser by many metrics has outperformed both Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman in the minor leagues. Yeah, it's just it, that's just fact. He got hurt at a really bad time, right? But it, he's it, close it, to coming back, and I don't think it's gonna be too long before we we actually had on. Um, give that fan a podcast the other night. We had Sam Dykstra from okay. MLB.com yep. on the show, and he was talking about how he thinks when Kowser is back, it might be two weeks before he's up here. Yeah, I, I think Kowser is right around the corner, but I yep. know someone did mention that breaking balls are a problem for him. It might have been actually Mike Elias who said that, that breaking balls are not something he's completely adapted to and, and can hit as well as they'd like because he's going to see more of them. I mean, that's yeah. that's another fact where Colton Kowser will get to the major leagues and see a lot more breaking balls, and not only more, he's going to see a much better quality. He, he's going to have a, a a bit of a struggle just like Gunnar did. I'm sure he will. Yeah, you know? I'm but sure he will. he's a more advanced player at AAA than Gunnar was when he yeah. got there yeah. um, because he had the college experience too. Right. So you, you, we forget that Gunnar Henderson right now will be a uh, junior in college, it's amazing. He'd be a yeah. junior in college at Auburn, which is a good baseball school. Oh yeah. Um, so Colton Kowser has already done that 
right. and he's at AAA now. Right. Uh, made it to AAA in his first full season of pro ball. So it's um, I, he's right around the corner, and I can't wait till the everyday lineup features him, Gunner, and Rutschman in the top half. Oh my god, it's gonna be awesome! It's gonna be awesome. Anyway, um, Orioles banter. We were talking about how the um, the Mets may be starting to have an opportunity to pick up some firepower here and, and really get their season going as we get to the hotter months of the year. Um, is leading us into Orioles banter, and we're doing Orioles banter three pitchers, three hitters, where Zach and I each pick um, three pitchers and three hitters that we think the Orioles could realistically pick up at the yeah. deadline this year and who we think realistically they'd have to give up in return. Which is hard, and I've been thinking about it for my guys, and obviously it's it's quite difficult to project, and you know it's probably not going to be that close to reality, but we'll do our best in that situation. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Do, do you want to? Let's. We'll alternate, and we'll start. Sure. With the, we'll start with the pitchers. Pitchers. Okay. I was. I was ready for hitters. Um. So let me go to my first pitcher. I, I think this is the guy everyone wants. Corbin Burns would make so much sense for the Baltimore Orioles because of his decaying relationship with the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers have been good, and they've probably been better than a lot of people expected. Corbin actually hasn't been as good as people expected this year, but he's still Corbin Burns. You don't have a ton of control with him, which makes me think the Orioles wouldn't have to give up a ton. Um, but he's still Corbin Burns. He's still a number two or number one pitcher at his best, so they will have to give up something significant. Um if I had to guess who that would be, I, I think Heston Kerstad could absolutely be a trade piece, and I think he would be an immediate guy that the, the Milwaukee Brewers would be like, we, we would need that guy at least for Corbin Burns. Yeah. It wouldn't be a one-for-one, one, though. I think that see, Corbin Burns is a guy on my list, too, mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll stick with that mm-hmm. to, to, for the con- sake of the conversation. Um, I think that the Orioles don't want to trade. Heston Kerstad. They might not. Because I think that his power bat plays so well at Camden Yards that that's a guy that they 100% want hitting in the middle of the lineup. And I don't think that they're willing to give him up for anybody. Like, it would have to, he'd have to be in a package for like, for like Shohei Otani. To be honest, and, and look, maybe that's, maybe that's, too much of an ask. I don't know that you're willing to part with a guy who you think is going to hit fourth in your order for 10 years and hit 30 home runs a year for Corbin Burns, whose walk rate is up and strikeout rate is down this year. Yeah, Cor- Corbin's been okay. Like He hasn't, his war is .2 right now. Yeah. He has an ERA close to four. That makes me think they want, might want a little less. But then again, in this situation, the Milwaukee Brewers have all the leverage. And right. in every situation we're about to talk about, they have all the leverage. And they're going to say, look, Heston Kerstad is... You have all these other outfielders that you can potentially use. You have so much depth here. Why not Heston Kerstad, right? I think Colton Kowser will be a, a huge overpay at this point for Corbin yeah. Burns, especially how much time Corbin Burns have on his contract, which just isn't much at this point. I think that if that to get Corbin Burns, the conversation starts and ends at Grayson Rodriguez uh, and Jackson Holiday. And I also think that you can kind of say, look, we're not giving you Kowser or, or Kirsten. I, I think Kowser's got to be off limits, too. You know, um, the, what, what I look at is Jordan Westberg, Connor Norby. I could see Westberg Kobe coming May- into that. Co- Jordan Westberg, Connor Norby, Kobe Mayo, and D.L. Hall. I don't know if Kobe Mayo's done enough to really have a lot of value. D.L. Hall is an interesting one because he was going to be a guy I mentioned for a couple of these other pieces that we're going to talk about because... He's working himself into trade territory right now, where he hasn't necessarily been good. But maybe another team figures, hey, we can give this guy a resurgence, a fresh start. 
I, that's certainly something that could happen. And if the Orioles don't really view him as a piece they want to use in relief, and they also don't view him as a starter long term at this point, then that would be that would make a lot of sense to try to move DL Hall for one of these guys. But the problem is with a guy like that, or even a guy like Heston Kerstad, you don't want to move these guys for rentals generally. But then again, Glenn mentioned something really interesting yesterday on the show. Nobody thought the Cubs World Series window would end after 2016, and then it did. So you never know when your World Series window might close. You got to make these moves when you can. Yeah, That's I a good get point. That. I get that. Your second pitcher. My second pitcher is Dylan Cease. And this is the only guy on this list that I would legitimately consider moving Colton Cowser for. Because Dylan Cease, and I think that's what, it, at the very least, that would be the, at the base of the package. Cease at the least. Cease at the least. I could see you smiling over there. I was trying to figure out what you were laughing about. That's what it was. Dylan Cease is every year going to be, for the, for the next for foreseeable future, it is. But he'll, it's, it's May. It's May. I have so much confidence that he'll end he walks up. Walks a ton of guys. I'll, I have so much confidence he, he's going to end up at a, around a three ERA, possibly lower. He's going to be, for the foreseeable future, in my opinion, a Cy Young candidate. He was excellent in every way last year except walks. That's been the big, I guess you want to call it bugaboo or whatever the word is for, <laughs> for it, the outlier for, for Dylan Cease. But Don't get Robert Griffin III he, on here saying bugaboo. <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely right. Go watch that video if you haven't found it yet. Um, but he strikes out around 13, 14 guys a year. The strikeout numbers are a little bit down so far, but everything's been down for Dylan Cease as of right now. I have full confidence he's going to get it back. Dylan Cease is a guy, I th- again, I think you're going to have to give up a guy like Colton Cowser because the White Sox want to make him a cornerstone of their franchise for years to come. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having Dylan Cease, but I also think that... And see, this is I'm like the president of the DL Hall fan club. I think that you really are. Uh, DL Hall, you were the biggest be, fan. DL Hall can be that same exact pitcher. I think he can be that same exact. I pitcher. disagree. I, I I really I really really do. If if if, 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 Hall, if if walks don't matter to you, then what what does Dylan Cease have aside from big league success that DL, that DL <laughs> Hall doesn't have? I mean, look at Dylan Cease's 2022. Okay, but you re- the, the, do you really think at this point, after everything he's done in the minors, that he's going to be able to do that? Do you, DL really, Hall? Do you really think that DL Hall it, it couldn't if they just stop effing around with him? What are we doing? Like, like, like for for real here? It's all right. We want you to build up your innings and get that pitch count up so that we can. And, and he even said he's like, we wanted. That's what we were working on. Now we're focusing on results. And then he starts getting the results. And then his in his next start after going after two really good freaking starts, he goes three innings. He gives up nothing. And they pull him after at 45 pitches. They pull him at 45 pitches and one walk with three strikeouts. And they say, oh, well, now we're deloading him. Now we're deloading him. So now you stop him in the middle of a really nice run of pitching. You stop him to deload him. And then his next start, he gives up six runs in the inning and the third. What the hell are we doing? I'm sorry. I don't really ever question Mike Elias. What are you doing with D.L. Hall? Let the guy pitch. Just let him pitch. Quit effing around. It is so hard for me not to drop the F-bomb right now. <laughs> it's pissing me off what they're doing with him. If he's on an innings limit, fine. But don't let him go six innings, one start, and strike out nine, and then three innings on 45 pitches and say it's a deload. It makes no effing sense. I, I just look at the numbers from Cease. I mean, 2.2 ERA last Zach's year. Zach's like, I'm not he, touching D.L. He, Hall he, with a 10-foot Well, I'm, I'm going to get there in a second. He averaged almost six innings per start last year, which is excellent. Struck out 11 per nine. I, I don't think D.L. Hall's ever doing that. I actually, I, I would take that to the bank. The not, D, if they, that, not, not if they let him go six innings with no with no limits, and then the next start, oh, we're going to deload you now. What does that even mean? 
I don't know. I re- I, they know a lot more about what their plan is for D.L. Hall than we do, obviously. The, their, They're not going to make plan, all of it public. Their but. plan is they have no plan. They have no plan. All, my, my entire point here, regardless of all of that, is that D.L. Hall is never going to do that of, of what Dylan Cease did last yeah. year. I, yeah, I, you I say ta- that. I would take that to the bank. 2.2 ERA and 32 starts over almost six innings per start. They're, they're, they'll, they'll trade D.L. Hall. They'll trade him, and then he'll do that. Guarantee you. Guarantee you, oh, DL, I, I, DL I don't, Hall. I don't agree. DL Hall will be on another team in two years, and we'll be talking about him as one of the best pit young pitchers in baseball. Guaranteed. I guarantee it. Okay. He's, he is. Two, <laughs> well, I guess we'll see. Well, we we had, um, again, we had Sam Dykstra on the podcast the other night, and we were at, he, when he talked about fastball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm sorry, um, but it's not fa- about stuff. No, we know he has the stuff. Fastball movement. DL Hall. Pitch deception. DL Hall. Yeah. Uh, um, and there was one other thing. DL Hall. And yet he was saying. The fact that they haven't made him a reliever yet is mind blowing to me, uh, which I, which I understand, I understand that, but DL Hall is the best pitcher in the organization, and he just can't get out of his own way. Somebody's going to figure it out with him, and he's going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. I am telling you, it's going to happen. It is going to happen, and it's not going to be for the Orioles. I I, I just. It's maddening. If it's going to happen, he's got to stop walking five from nine. I mean, he's got to bring that down by about two guys. Yeah. He's got to well, bring that. But well, maybe he that's, would. It's not realistic. L- like legitimately, he went. He walked one and strike and struck out nine over five innings, over six innings, two, three starts ago, and then the next start they pulled him after three innings. The next start they they pulled him after three innings. There's no doubt. I, I'd like to let him pitch longer. There's no doubt. I mean, that's. I think that's the only way you're really going to see him in totality of, of what he can actually be. But at the end of the day, he hasn't done that, and even. Forget the ERA. Forget 14 wins that Dylan Cease had last year. Forget the 11.1 strikeouts per nine. Forget all of that. And just look at the six innings he averaged per start, basically. Mm-hmm. Again, I rounded that number up a little bit. But it's it's basically six. Well, because they trusted him, and they didn't deload him after his best start of the year. Right, but Dylan Cease probably, and I'd have to go back and look at the numbers to confirm, but he probably did that through the minors pretty consistently, and he was probably way more dominant than Dia Hall has been in the minors. That would be we'll, my we'll, thought. We'll, we'll have you look at it during the break. I'll do that. Um... All right. Anyway, <laughs> I go on a on a rant every show. You just love Deal Hall, man. That's all. I do. It's, it's, I do. I, I think he's so freaking talented, and I think it's that they're unbridled just, passion. I, I think that they're just messing with him. Mm-hmm. They're just messing. You gotta get let him get into a rhythm, and you don't do that by letting him throw six innings of one run ball with nine strikeouts and one walk, one start, and then deloading him by getting him throw three innings on forty five pitches, and then bringing him out and let him get shelled. You're th- you're you're ruining his rhythm. Just let him go, and if you have to shut him down or at the end of the year because he's at 120 innings, okay, you have to shut him down, but now he's good to go next year. Just let him pitch. Anyway, my next pitcher is Anthony DeSclafani, having a big year, having a big year for the Giants. The Giants are a 500 ball club, and let's be honest, the, the Padres are getting hot. The Dodgers are really, really good again. The Diamondbacks are a good team. The Giants aren't making the playoffs. He's in the final year of his deal and it's $12 million a year, so the Orioles will only have to pay a prorated portion of that mm-hmm. moving forward, which means he, he's 35, I think he is. Um, and in the final year of a, of, of a three-year contract, which means you don't have to give up a lot to get him. I think Jordan Westberg and a lower-level minor league pitcher gets the job done. Did yeah, I think Jordan Westberg might be paying a little too much there. But yeah, maybe. Then, then again, they have all the leverage, so that might be right. You you have to give up something to get something. And it's, sure. it's another thing we touched on with Sam Dykstra. Every team, my, uh, us included, 
the fans want to give up their worst players for another team's best player. <laughs> sure, yeah. You're not getting yeah. a guy that's going to give you a postseason push for nothing. No, and, and no way. We love Jordan Westberg. I liked, I'd love to see him play second base. But I don't think that Connor Norby gets it done. I don't think Joey Ortiz gets yeah. it done. And I, I, you're not trading Kalzer or Kerstad for Anthony DeSclafani. Right. You're not doing that. So who's the best player that you'd be willing to part with for a legitimate starting pitcher? Probably Jordan Westberg. If it's yeah. a guy who's a rental. No doubt. Yeah. My third player was Miles Michaelis. And he's on a deal through 2026, or through 2025, excuse me, uh, $55.75 million deal over three years. That's not out of the ballpark for the Orioles to afford. They can afford that. They really can. If they take that on at the trade deadline, they'll only have to pay him again through 2025. So far this year, he has a 4.23 ERA through 11 starts, but last year was all the way down at 3.29 out of 33 starts. He gives you a lot of starts. He's decently durable. He's been, you know, he's he's on the older side of his career now, which is probably a good reason the, the Cardinals might want to part with him. And it's especially good given that the Cardinals are middling this year they're not a great team they're probably not going to make a strong playoff push they, they might make it at the end of the day because that division's kind of weak yeah but outside of the brewers we just mentioned but i i don't necessarily seeing miles michaelis being someone they would not want to give up and i think again jordan westberg's the name that comes to mind here i would feel very comfortable getting a guy like miles michaelis who you know has has been relatively very good over the past three years doesn't walk many guys at all, has exceptional control and command. That's a guy I could see very much being a Baltimore Oriole, and he's he's only 34. I, it makes a lot of sense to me. Sonny Gray for the Minnesota Twins. Really? Okay. 33 years old, in the final year of a five-year contract. I did not know he was in his final year. Okay. Yeah, he signed through the season five years, $50.7 million. So the Orioles would only have to pay the prorated version portion of about $10 million this year. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. On top of that, again, on top of the fact that it's not a ton of money, and he's in the final year of his deal, I just I think the Twins. I don't think they're that good. I don't either. I, no, I, I think that their that their lineup is terrible. I think that they're only in first place because of their pitching, and I think Cleveland's coming. I think that um, and I think that the White Sox are coming. Probably. You yeah. know, the White Sox lineup is good, yeah. and their starting rotation has been very severely underperforming this year. Yeah. And they're going to start getting better. Right. And again, like you said, it's only May. Right. The Twins aren't aren't making the playoffs. No. They, they aren't. I, I wouldn't be surprised if every wild card team comes out of the American League East. Uh, so yeah, I, I would think that. I mean, so, the Twins would have to win that division. Although I, the the Rangers and the Astros out in the West are very good. Right. Yeah. But, when I, when and I think that you're going to see over the next month or so the Twins are going to fall off just like they did last year and the year before. And I think Sonny Gray becomes available now. What you have to give up for him depends on if he, you look at him as a rental or if you anticipate signing him. Yeah, again, he's 33 years old. If the Twins think they can sign him back after this year, you're probably able to give up a little bit less. Probably, yeah. If the Twins know that he's likely to sign with the Orioles. Maybe it's three years. Maybe it's four years. I would imagine it would have to be four years to get him to sign. It would have to be a like a four-year, $80 million commitment. Um, he's got the best ERA in baseball. Yeah. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's that guy that makes you that makes you go from legitimate contender to maybe the contender, right? So, I don't know. If it's just a rental, it's going to take two top 100 prospects. At the very least. I mean, again, we had this discussion about... Earl Chapman getting traded for 
uh, Glaber Torres. And you mm-hmm. said the only reason they did that was because it was the thing that put him over the top, which is the same situation here. You're going to have to give up something huge. Yeah, you're going to you're going to have to give up maybe and it's going you might have to give up Heston Kerstad. You might have to give At up the Colton, very least, yeah. Col- Colton Kowser and then somebody else and then somebody else mm-hmm. to get maybe the best pitcher in baseball right now. Yeah. Um even if he is just a rental. Uh, and look, Mike Elias has managed to make some really savvy trades yeah. for this ball club to get a lot for not and not give up a lot. And maybe he's able to do something. Maybe he's maybe he's able to say, "Hey, look, I'm going to give you Jordan Westberg, Joey Ortiz and I don't know, Gene Pinto sure. or something like that. And that, and that gets you, um, uh, what's his name? Sonny Gray. Sonny Man, Gray. brain lapses all day today <laughs> uh, to get Sonny Gray. But I think it's going to end up costing yeah. you Kowser or Kerstad. Yeah. Um, not both. One of those two. I think that we've established that the untouchables are basically Grayson Rodriguez and, D- and um, not D.L. Hall. Jackson Holiday. And Jackson See, another brain lapse. J- okay, Jackson Holiday is so freaking good. He's so damn good. He's, he's batting basically 400. Yeah, in the minor so, uh, leagues yeah. right now, which is he is he's hitting 400 yeah. at high A, and he he hit 391 at low A. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. It's stupid. He he has every opportunity to play the bulk of the season next year at the big league level. He is so freaking good. I mean, I I he's probably going to make the major league roster opening day. No, I don't know about all that. I, I don't, uh, he, and he, I mean, Jackson Holiday has been everything you could skip AAA entirely, like Jordan Walker did. He could get there this year. He could. He could easily. Um, I, I wouldn't mean, say. I wouldn't say easily. He's already played 25 games in Aberdeen. He's had 110 plate appearances, 88 at bats. He's batting 398, 518, 693 with an 1,211 OPS. You could just say 1211 OPS. You always criticize how I say it. That's how I say it. Paul. A, a, a thousand. That's how I say it. With a, a thousand. 211. 211. Yeah, but. Is there really anything left for him to do at Aberdeen after that? And that's a hard park to hit in. Yeah, he's going to do better at Bowie, I would think. Yeah, a lot of there's a lot of good prospects who play in High A too that he's facing in Aberdeen. He's facing college guys, guys who came out of who got drafted out of college. Yeah, but uh, at, at, at High A, a lot of those are good prospects. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, that's, okay, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. What what he's doing is that more, much more impressive. Right. He's playing. He's facing guys who played at big college programs who got drafted out of college, and he's better than all of them. If he doesn't get called up by middle of June, end of June, with what he's doing right now, it doesn't make sense to yeah. me. Yeah. That wouldn't make any sense. Especially if he continues to do it. He's and, and he's on base percentage is 518. What are we doing? It's like, stupid. <laughs> it's, 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 it's stupid. And then it's... He could easily be in AAA in August. Very easily. I think we throw away, we throw around the term easily. I think you're just using I don't it know. As, as, I, as an add-on there. I don't think it's easy to get to, to he, get promoted. You're, you're you're right, but he hasn't not performed yet at any level. Yeah, he's been he's he hit over 400 with an over 500 on base percentage in big league spring training. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there is. It's not 100 percent going to happen, but there's a good chance that if for anybody it would happen, it would be for Jackson Holiday. The, he has been the unreal. kid's a freak. The yeah. kid the, the kid's a freak. He's he's so damn good. He's so damn good. All right, let's move over to the hitter side of things. Um, go ahead, your first hitter. So I have a weird one. I have Andrew McCutcheon, and this no is... No desire. Really? Have you seen his numbers this year so yeah, far? Yeah, yeah. He's old, and he's only performing that way because he's rejuvenated by playing in Pittsburgh. Well, he's also going to be rejuvenated by being on a team that could make one of his... Uh, he hasn't had many playoff appearances, so one of his first playoff appearances in his career. And it's obviously not his first. But is he a guy that you put in the middle of your order and just leave there? 
I mean, because that's the type of bat. That's the type of bat you're trying to add. Let me let me entice you a little bit. Right now, he's slashing 269, 364, 462 with an 826 OPS. He's been 25 percent better than the average major league hitter. He already has eight home runs. He's walked 24 times, struck out 38 times. He's been good all around. Yeah. He's already over one WAR. You're probably right that a lot of this is because he's playing at home and this is where he played his entire career but also if he gets the chance to play every day in an Orioles lineup and help out a team that could possibly go to a World Series I I don't see why he wouldn't want to do that I, yeah I don't see why he wouldn't want to do that either you can want to do things and still not be very good at them you know? <laughs> that's also true I, I do pl- I, I do w- play I, golf I want to play on the exactly I want to play on the PGA <laughs> tour ha! Right. ha right ha um no I don't want Andrew McCutcheon Okay. I wouldn't. I do. I, I would say if, if they got him, I wouldn't be like, oh God, what? Why? But I understand why they would go get him. It's it, it's a no for me, bro. Okay. Um, I I think he's better. I think he's performing a lot better than Ryan Mountcastle is right now. He's performing better than Anthony Santander is right now. And those not are, Santander. Not Santander is having a better year. I mean, eight twenty six OPS compared to Santander is higher. Is it guaranteed? Really, eight oh eight. 808 right okay. now. Okay, it's 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 damn close. It's, but it's close. You're right. But Santander is younger. He's a switch hitter. He's walked more, and he's actually got, their lines are almost identical and he's got across more, the board. And, and he's got more power. And Santander's numbers, if he stays healthy, are going to be far better than McCutcheon's at the end of the year. He's got more power, yes. And you're probably right about it, it, him lasting a little bit longer because of age. But Andrew McCutcheon's better than a lot of hitters in this Orioles lineup right now. The way he's the way he's performed so far this year, he has been better. He's what though, thirty seven, thirty four, or thirty six? I think thirty six. Something I think, along I, those I think lines. Thirty six. Thirty six. Yeah. Um, if they got him, okay, fine, but it, that's not a desire for me. Okay. My first hitter is Jorge Soler. Interesting. The Marlins, this time last week, they were in second place. Now they're in third place, but they're still only a game out of a wild card spot. Last I checked, he's their second best offensive player. Behind um, Luis Arise, he's a little bit. He's getting up there now, but the power is there, the OPS is there, the production is there. Jorge Soler, you put him in your four hitter and you go. Do you worry about the is fact it, that he was so bad last year, though? No. Okay. I mean, because he's been really, really good most of his career. Yeah, I mean, twenty twenty one, he hit one ninety two with Kansas City, but then went to Atlanta and hit really well, really good in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Last year with Miami, slash two hundred seven, two ninety five, four hundred. Not his best year, but this year slashing 259, 333, 566. And that's basically a 900 OPS. 15 home runs. 16 now. 16, yeah, he homered yep. last night. Yep. He's got 16 home runs. The production's there. It's not far removed from a 48 homer season. He's. He, I can't argue this one. He, yeah. He's he's a he's a big time power hitter. The question is, what's what's his contract status look like? Okay, so he is signed uh, through 2023. At a twenty-seven million dollar deal, there's a twenty-four player option, so he could easily opt out and be a free agent. Yeah, and how old is he? Thirty-three. He is thirty-one. Thirty-one. Thirty-one years old. When you say twenty-seven million, you mean total, so like nine million a yes, year. Yes, yes, yes. Nine million a year. No, not no. It's a two-year contract. Two-year contract. So thirteen and a half. Thirteen and a half million a year. So you're looking at if, when you go get him for the final two months of the season, you're looking at you got to pay him another four million. Right, and, and I have to see how it was structured. It could have been backloaded, it could have been frontloaded. I don't know how the Marlins yeah. structured that. But, but you're assuming roughly, yeah. You probably got to pay him about four million dollars to hit in the middle of your order. He, we've already seen that when he gets to the playoffs, he performs. He's done it in the past. To get him, you probably don't have to give up much. I can't imagine that you have to give up much. Maybe, maybe like 
I don't know, it depends on how you feel about a guy like Judd Fabian. You know what I mean? Oh, easily I'd give up Judd you, Fabian you know, for him. A, a guy who's got a lot of power potential. You could yeah. put and, and he could be, you know, a productive player for the Marlins. I in, wasn't a fan in, of the Judd in, Fabian pick last in year. Two years. Uh, you know, it's neither. I mean, they really wanted him. They love his power. They did. Um, you know, they aren't. They probably aren't looking for much. And in, in everybody wants pitching, mm-hmm. and you can never have too much pitching. I don't think you have to give up a pitcher to get him. Or maybe if you do with somebody who's not on the radar yet, who they they like. Something that he's doing. And the Marlins are a popular trade partner for the Orioles. Yep. Let's remember that. Maybe you have to give up a, a, a reliever or something like that, plus a, a fringe top 100 prospect. Maybe it's Kobe Mayo. I don't know. Um, I'd actually be very on board with this. I didn't have Slayer on my list, but I actually like this a lot. I think that would make a ton of sense. Okay. Yeah, it, 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 it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Ken McCusick, I did a podcast with him uh, that just went, came out yesterday, and we were talking about hitters that the Orioles could go after. And we got to move things along here. Um, we were talking about hitters that the Orioles could go after. Don't call them yet. Just find in the number. Oh, gotcha. Um, and I didn't mention Jorge Soler. I thought about him, but I didn't mention him on the show because at the time the Marlins were in, uh, and they still are in the in a playoff in the playoff picture. I think they're going to fall off. I think the Mets, the Phillies, and the Braves are all going to start running away with this thing. And the Nationals aren't pushovers right now. The twenty-one and twenty-nine is a lot better than I thought they were going to be. So uh, I think the Marlins are going to fall off here a good bit, and I think Sol- Soler could suddenly become available, especially when he has an opt-out in his contract. is essentially the last year of his contract. Yeah. I think he, he could be had. Um, let's try this a little bit quicker. Who's your number two hitter? My number two hitter was Charlie Blackman, a guy that you brought to my attention the other Ma- day. He'll be my number two also. A- aging veteran in Colorado. They prob- they're not going to go anywhere this year. Could easily move him. And final try to year get- of his contract. Final year of his contract. Trying to get younger in Colorado seems like a huge strategy for them. That's a no-brainer to me. Charlie Blackman makes a ton of sense. Ch- Charlie Blackman, to me, is a better player than Andrew McCutcheon, and I think that that is a guy who is rejuvenated by, p- by being in the playoff hunt. Um, towards the end of his career, yep, and he has even splits this year against right-handed and left-handed pitching. And for his career, he hits over 300 yep. against left-handed pitching. So even though, yeah, you want to add a right-handed bat to your lineup, he is just as good as adding a right-handed yeah. bat to your lineup. So uh, we can both agree on Charlie me, Blackman. This and, one's a no-brainer. And to, to get him, I don't think it costs much. No. I don't no. think it costs much. They, they, they want something. I don't know what that's going to look like, but you're not giving up a top one. I think guy. the Rockies... Based on their farm system, to probably take an arm, but uh, maybe you trade them. Drew Rom. <laughs> I think they want a little more than Drew Rom, but maybe. Well, you're the one who said that you think he's a far better pitcher than Bruce Zimmerman, and he could be. Up that's at the not saying leagues. much, though. That's a low bar. I mean, Bruce Zimmerman's <laughs> had a good year. Uh, yeah, well. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know what it would take. I don't think it's going to take yeah. that much because he's 37 years old and in the final year of his contract. And then finally, your third hitter. My third hitter is Jose Abreu. And hear me out before you start saying how bad of a year he's had. I wanted I, him at I the know. beginning of the year. Uh, yeah, I did, I did as well. Jose Abreu's been horrible. His war is negative 1.2. He's done absolutely nothing. I think this could be a fit problem. Because you know that Jose is a better hitter than what he's slashing right now, which is 217, 275, 254. He's been awful in every way. And this makes me think that Houston is going to want to get rid of him because they have signed to uh, they have signed him to a three-year, $58.5 million contract. And that's no cheap contract. That runs through 2025. There's no option in here for them or anything. They're going to want to get out of this deal. And they could probably... This is total leverage for the Orioles here. That The, fa- the fact that they really probably don't want to have uh, a struggling player who isn't the right fit at a $58.5 million value. To me, you could probably acquire Jose Abreu, who would 
probably fit a lot better in Baltimore than he would in Houston and get a lot more playing time as well. It makes a lot of sense to me. He's yeah. a much better hitter than this. I promise you. I agree. This is not him. This I is agree. not him. I agree. My guy, and I mentioned it on um, film study with uh, Ken McCusick, at the time I mentioned this, this guy was hitting 239 with five home runs. Okay. He homered that night. He's hit four home runs in the week since we recorded that podcast. Okay. His average has jumped from 239 to 273. Okay. On base percentage, only 314, but he's a far better on base guy than that. That's J.D. Martinez. Yeah, I love J.D. J.D. Martinez signed a one-year $11 million deal with the Dodgers in the hopes of having a good year and coming back onto the market and getting a better deal. Mm-hmm. He's 33, 34 years old. Uh, how, how old is he? I think he 34. Is, he is 35. 35. He's actually going to be 36 in August. He's going to okay. be 36 in August. Will you text uh, Connor and sure. let him know that we got to catch a break and then we'll call him and then we're running a little behind? Got it. Uh, this is taking a half an hour. Yeah. Um, J.D. Martinez, at the time, five home runs, 239 batting average. Now, nine home runs, 273 in the span of a week. That's a guy I think you put in the middle of your order and let him go. And he's a guy, he's got gap-to-gap power. He's big-time oppo power, which fits perfectly for a right-handed hitter in Camden Yards. And he still is really good at extra base hits. Yeah. So I I look at at this guy as a guy who the Dodgers, maybe they don't count on him too much. I mean, he's got nine home runs. Two triples this year and twelve um, and twelve doubles, so twenty three extra base hits for a guy who's thirty about to be thirty seven years old. Nine home runs out of those twenty three extra base hits. I like J D Martinez, and I think that's a guy that the Orioles could have for not too much. One more quick thing: he's out indefinitely. Is the the, the recent word I've heard on him? But Michael Brantley, to me, if he ends up coming back at the end of the year, could provide the better leadership and another bat the Orioles could really use in their lineup. I really wanted the Orioles to sign him in the offseason, but the fact yeah. of the matter is he's hurt. Every he, year. He's always hurt, and he's out again. He's swinging the bat but not hitting, is what the report was 14 hours ago from CBS. So yeah. I don't necessarily think that's a great situation, but by August, when the trade deadline happens, that may be a different situation. Yeah. So I'd consider that. We'll see. we got to catch a break. Um, want to remind you uh, that today's show is brought to you by PressBox Offers. PressBox is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from seven legal online sports books. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books, so go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and sign up today when we come back in and it's going to be a, an intriguing conversation um from the locked on the orioles podcast connor newcomb joins the show that's next on the battle round what air conditioning company can save 50 percent of your energy cost and qualify you for up to seventy five hundred dollars in rebates aj michaels we do more we do it better for less in baltimore and annapolis ajmichaels.com Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. 
The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. It's a great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Battle Round. Have you seen all of Maryland's minor league ballparks? Pressbox is giving you the chance to check out all of them this summer. Head on over to pressboxonline.com slash contest now and sign up to win. Four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams. One easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. You must be 18 or older to enter in the sweepstakes end June 14th. So get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now to sign up. Joining us now on the Locked On Orioles podcast, he is, wow, joining us now from the Locked On Orioles podcast on the bat around, he is Connor Newcomb. Connor, thanks for joining the show, man. How are you? I'm great, Paul, and uh, I was I was confused. I was like, oh, am I recording on Saturdays too now? They, they pushed me to six days a week. I don't know. Um, but But this. This, this is good right now. We're getting uh, you know, a pod that, that drops five days a week, and yet probably top five biggest Orioles news of the year drops on a Saturday, and I still get a little platform here. So thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah. No, ab- absolutely. And uh, thanks for going with it when I accidentally called our show your show. Um, but you're part of the show, too. You've been on a number of times. You can call it your show, too, if you want. Um, we, are, we have a little bit of a disagreement here, Connor, that has flooded into our social media Twitter sphere um, about Grayson Rodriguez, and you were saying that you, that there were people that are saying that he should be sent down when he was a ground ball away from getting out of it down 5-1 to one, uh, yesterday. I was one of those people saying Grayson Rodriguez needed to be pulled, not sent down, but needed to be pulled out of that game. And I was also thinking he probably needed to go down, which he did today. That was the news that you were alluding to. He got sent down, and Keegan Agan recalled for the Orioles. 
And my my argument here, Connor, is that he had given up five straight hits, or he allowed five straight runners to reach. He had given up two home runs and was uh, Cedric Mullins' robbery away from giving up a third home run. You ended up having to take him out two hitters later anyway because the next thing you know, he gives up a grand slam. Now he's your team's down nine to one. I understand wanting to save the bullpen. The writing was on the wall. It was the same thing that happened to Kyle Bradish in Detroit a few weeks back where he was cruising, and then he gets into the fifth inning, and he gives up four runs. Orioles managed to win that game, but to me, it's the, Grayson was struggling so badly that you knew I, I knew it wasn't getting any better, even with the botched double play ball by Jorge Mateo. Yeah, I don't disagree with you that he should have come out of the game. I think my big argument was they literally couldn't take him out of the game at that point because you kind of go back to the fourth inning there. So he'd only given up two runs through three innings. He, he hung that change up to Tavares and gave up the two-run homer. But I think the first and the third were clearly his best innings. I mean, he threw his most strikes. He got strikeouts. He put up zeros. And so you're going into the fourth. It's a 2-1 game. You know, Brandon Hyde certainly is not even calling down to the bullpen at that point. You know, you're, you're wanting Grayson to – goes through the game and then he strikes out Garcia to start the fourth on a really good changeup and you're like okay maybe he settled in a little bit and then Josh Young hits the triple which Paul I still cannot believe they have called that a triple that was an egregious error by Darren in right field absolutely um, that should have been a double and an error I mean he was just spinning around in circles trying to pick up the ball I, I can't believe that hasn't been changed yet I think it will be eventually by MLB but so you get the triple now you're still not pulling you're still not going to the bullpen you're still one out it's one base runner it's two to one in the fourth inning so then Josh Smith singles on the first pitch. Now it's 3-1. to one. You're probably still not going to the pen. It's only 3-1 to one in the fourth inning. The very next pitch, Grossman hits a two-run homer. So in three pitches, essentially, it goes from 2-1, to one, nobody on base, to 5-1 to one in three mm-hmm. pitches. That's not enough time to get anybody up. So once Grayson then gets to 5-1, to one, then Hyde's probably thinking, okay, we need to get somebody. Now, something we have learned this year is that Austin Boats is the quickest guy to warm up in the Orioles bullpen sure. I believe it takes him the least amount of time out of anyone and because he can give you length both was the easy option there so both begins to probably stretch and throw as Tavares comes up to the plate now it helps that it was a seven pitch AB to Tavares but he walks and at that point both is probably into actually throwing in the pen then you have Leon on the second pitch singles and then Semyon on the second pitch hits the ground ball which I mean should have gotten him out of the inning and I even do think if that's a double play I think Grayson's probably done, and mm-hmm. I don't think he comes back out for the fifth inning. But it should have been a double play, and instead it's no out. And at that point, even though Vos is probably throwing by the time Leon comes up, that was four pitches combined to Leon and Semyon. And then, of course, it was the first pitch to Seeger is the grand slam. So I think all in all in there, I mean, you've got 15 pitches total from Grayson to all of the batters in the fourth inning that got it to 9-1. to one. I yeah. mean, that is about as quick as a team can score seven runs on you. And, you got I mean, Austin Vose can throw pitches quicker than Grayson can while he's on the mound back there. But you still want to throw, you know, 20-some warm-up pitches out there. And if you noticed, after the Grand Slam, I believe it was Gunnar Henderson came to the mound along with Adley Rutschman, but Hyde did not. And the two of them just kind of waited there for a while. They waited about a minute or two, and then Hyde came out of the dugout because you could tell – he was trying to give both every last pitch out there in the bullpen. I agree he should have come out once it was 5-1. to one. I just think they had no time to get literally anyone ready. And that was the tough part about Grayson Start. I mean, that kind of bleeds into what the whole issue was, is that it wasn't just really, you know, walks and too many base runners. It was he was so afraid to throw his breaking stuff in that start last night that 
it was just, well, my first pitch is going to be a fastball over the middle of the plate no matter what. And the Rangers are the best offense in baseball, and they knew that. And, I mean, that was the quickest I've ever seen an inning get out of hand. It was guy. it was super quick, and that is the best argument for leaving him in. It's the Because, I honestly, it, it seems as though you watched the game much more intently than I did. I knew it was happening quick. I wasn't realizing there were three straight first pitches that guys reached base on, and that it was basically eight pitches and you're down nine to one is, is essentially yeah. what happened in that game. Um, th- it's the best argument for why he got left in. If the guy, if the, if you haven't gotten the guy up yet to warm up and Grayson goes out there and strikes out the first batter th- th- with a changeup that was so nasty, Jim Palmer laughed. It was so nasty. Jim Palmer laughed on, on the broadcast. And then the next thing, you know, the floodgates open and you had no time to even blink. That makes sense. That, that, that totally makes sense. And it, it's the best argument for it. Now, him being sent down, you had posted you didn't think that Grayson should be sent down. He's got to figure out the big league level. Am I correct? Yeah, and I, I still do feel that. I mean, I kind of get after last night why they did it. I just am, I'm still on the side of I don't agree with it. So here's, here's the thing. If this is the 2021 Orioles or prior, that's what you do. If this is the 2022 Orioles, it's what you you leave him up here and let him figure it out because it's one start he's terrible, the next start he's pretty damn good. The issue here, Connor, that we're running into is that the Orioles have proven over the first two months of the season. You look at who they've played in May, and they're well above 500 in the month of May. This team is a legitimate, not just postseason contender, but they're probably a starting pitcher away from being a legitimate World Series contender this year. You just have to look at the record and the way they've played and how they've handled every team. You can't have a guy going out every fifth day where you don't know if he's going to give up eight runs or if he's going to give up two runs. And the, his last four blow-ups, six runs, seven runs, eight runs, nine runs. you got to make a move there. And, and, and look, you have to handle him a little bit with kid gloves when you make that move. You have to say, look, we really think that you're going to help us not just in the future, but this season. But you got to go down there and get and get a little bit right before you come back up. We got to keep pace here. That's why you, I think you got to send them down because you can't afford to experiment and let this guy figure it out at the big league level at the cost of baseball games. Yeah, and 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 I get the argument. I think I get it more after the bad starts have kind of snowballed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like after the one, I think after that Kansas City start, right where he just. I mean, something was clearly wrong. It was a bad offense. They jumped all over him. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I saw, we saw a lot of the same sentiment, which was he needs to go down, he needs to go down. And I felt like then I was like, there's no way. I was like, he had had one other bad-ish start, but this one was just like a yeah. weird one. And his next start was pretty good, so I thought, okay. But now you've had, you know, legitimately three of these that have really gotten completely out of hand. Like I'd say four bad starts and three of them have just been essentially non-competitive and yeah. unwatchable. Yeah. And that's tough for a team, as you said, that's in second place right now um, and is trying to get to the playoffs. I was talking to a couple of friends at the game last night, and I had mentioned one of the things that will be interesting is because of the new rules that went into place last year, unless somebody gets injured, Grayson cannot come back up for another 15 days. That's mm-hmm. the reason why Cole Irvin can't replace Grayson in the rotation this week because Irvin hasn't point. been down for 15 days in AAA. So there's kind of a twofold worry for me on that. One is if you can get him through two AAA starts, kind of figure something out quickly, and then you still have to leave him down there, A, does that hurt the confidence at all? Where maybe if he goes down and he really does dominate in Norfolk, right, in two starts, Mm -hmm. and he knows he still has to sit there for a while. And the other issue is, despite Irvin's struggles, if he were available to come up, 
I think everyone agree he would be the guy they would go to right here. Sure. I mean, I know he was bad early in the year, but just the track record of Cole Irvin and the and trading for him this offseason, this would probably be the moment you turn back to him. But now you can't. Drew Rahm got absolutely annihilated in his last AAA start. Spencer Watkins pitched two innings his last two outings since coming off the IL from the cut on his finger, so he's clearly not built back up. D.L. Hall is, I mean, whatever deloading is, that's currently what he's doing, so he's not coming back up to start. I went on a huge so really, rant about that just about 10 minutes ago. Yeah. I mean, I get a little bit of the sentiment, but the way they're doing it is just weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, your option right now, unless you want to go Drew Rom, which you could, but I probably wouldn't have him make his first big league start after he gave up seven runs in two innings the other night in sure. Norfolk. So your option is Bruce Zimmerman, yep. who's pitched pretty well in AAA this year. But there's going to be some scars when you think about the last times we saw Bruce Zimmerman in the big leagues, which is given up just as many runs as Grayson's been given up over his last few starts mm-hmm. and basically given up a home run to every other batter. So it is a little concerning. Now, I did tweet out that the O's could go a bullpen game on Wednesday because they do have the off day on Thursday. So if they can rest the bullpen a little bit, they could just bullpen it for Grayson's next start. But I had talked to some friends about maybe just skipping one start, keeping him up here, having like a really, really focused bullpen side session where he's only throwing off-speed pitches and you're really focusing on the confidence and maybe you give him eight days off instead of four days off you bullpen one game and then you throw him back in there I thought that might have been an answer it's obviously tough to do that to just hold a guy on your major league roster when you're competing who you know isn't going to pitch for eight days that's really tough to do especially with this Orioles starting rotation right now but I just I, I am worried about where this sets them up moving forward not just with Grayson's confidence but more so with the depth that they thought they had is just at the moment not there, starting pitching-wise in AAA, and that concerns me a little bit. Yeah, I, trust me, I get it. I didn't even think about the fact that Irvin wouldn't be available for 15 days after being sent down. Um, the thing about that, it, he got, when did he get sent down? He got sent down. So that was Saturday, I believe. So he can come back, I believe I looked it up, it's June 5th would be 15 days. So that's the following so you're looking that's at, from Monday. Yeah, so you're looking at potentially, I mean, the next two times Grayson Rodriguez's spot would be due up. Uh, you theoretically couldn't have Cole Irvin take that spot. Okay, a- unless there's an injury. Now, you're not hoping that anybody right. gets hurt, but if there's an injury, you know, you, you never know. You never know what could happen here. Maybe Michael Givens' knee isn't quite ready yet after, based off how he, he's looked coming off the IL. I don't know. You're not, again, not hoping for an injury, but... There are workarounds. They're just unfortunate workarounds. So we'll have to see how that goes. And it very well could be that you just have Alston both give you three or four innings in a bullpen game on Wednesday right. and go from there. And I think that's probably when we're reading the tea leaves, unless you want to bring Zimmerman up, who also started last night, that would make sense too. But th- th- And maybe that's what they do. Maybe that's what they do, and then they send him back down when, uh, on Monday and Irvin's up to make that start. And honestly, when I say that out loud, that actually makes a lot of sense. So... I don't know. We will we'll certainly see how it goes. They have some things that they have to do here to get going with Rodriguez's spot in the rotation coming up in the next five days. Now, the rest of the rotation, uh, Connor, has been up and down. Tyler Wells, he doesn't allow base runners, but when he does, it's in the form of home runs. Giving up a ton of home runs this year. Very low whip, very low opponents on base percentage. But he might be their best starting pitcher, and he's nowhere near an ace. Then you have uh, Kyle Bradish. You kind of excuse his bad starts because he's still inexperienced, and when he's good, he's brilliant. Kramer giving up a lot of base runners still, but limiting the damage. Gibson's been more good than bad. With the news about with Grayson going down, the news about 
John Means having a setback because of the scapula strain. It's almost a foregone conclusion. The Orioles are trading for at least one starting pitcher at the deadline, right? Yeah, I mean, they have to. And the the Means news is tough. I, I tried not to let myself – I don't know how you approach this, Paul. I tried not to let myself – really rely on John Means at Same. any point in 2023. I just, I, I, and I felt like, hey, you know, by September, he could be John Means of old. Like, that's totally possible. But I just felt like if the Orioles or myself tries to rely on him saying, by August 1st, he's going to be the O's ace again, I think that was just setting everybody up for a letdown right there. But I do think this setback falls into question, like, will he even start a game for the O's this year? I think he could be back. But does that push back the time that he's built up? And is he just kind of a reliever, basically, in September? Could be the case here. But besides that, I mean, at the very least, you need to at least get a better version of Cole Urban in a trade and just a guy who you can put in the rotation. Now, should they go get a number one? Absolutely. Do they have the prospects to get a number one? Absolutely. Who is out there that the O's would be willing to make that move for? That's what worries me a little bit because there are some good pitchers who are on expiring deals, and I don't think Michael Elias and the Orioles are going to give up prospects for a rental right now, and I don't think John Angelos is going to re-sign anybody that they would go get in a rental version, which means they're looking for somebody with team control. The number one name out there right now I would think would be Dylan Cease, and I really still don't know what the White Sox plans are going to be at that point and what that asking price is is going to be. He's been worse this year than he was in his almost Cy Young season last year. But besides that, we don't really know what the names are for controllable aces. And I almost feel like would going to get a number, another number three help? Absolutely. And they kind of need to do it at this point. But it's kind of the back and forth of like, if you keep compiling number three and four starters, at some point you're just going to max out their possibilities. And yeah. to get to the next level, you need a legitimate guy. And I still don't know if they're willing to make that move. I hope I'm proven wrong. I just don't know if they're willing to do it. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. They are they were ahead of schedule last year. I think they're ahead of schedule this year. I don't think we were expecting this kind of a performance from this team till next year at the earliest. But now that that performance is here and your window is wide open right now, you don't have the pitching prospects to do it from within you got to go get somebody. And the number three isn't going to help you win a World Series. Not going to do it. You know, and, and the, the names that Zach and I talked about were guys like um, Corbin Burns, Anthony DeSclafani, De uh, Sonny Gray, Miles Michaelis, uh, guys like that. It's going to, even with those guys, a lot of those guys on expiring contracts, it's going to cost you something that maybe you don't want to give up, but that's the cost of doing business in Major League Baseball. If you want to win, you got to pay the price to win. And to me, it's do you want to win or you want to keep a prospect that you're not sure what they're going to be at the big league level? Who are you willing to give up? I'd say that Grayson Rodriguez um, and Jackson Holiday are untouchable. I'd say Colton Kowser is in that next tier where it has to be something really good in return. And then you look at Kerstad and Westberg um, and that maybe in that same tier. I just you got to be willing to give up something, right? Yeah, I mean, and the funny part is, like, I, I definitely lauded the Cole Irvin trade this offseason just said, like, finally, they've given up an actual prospect for an actual major leaguer who will help the team. Mm-hmm. Of course, that major leaguer hasn't actually helped the team so far this year, but in theory, Cole Irvin, you know, would be the guy right now stepping in. He should be giving you six to seven solid innings, you know, every time he goes out there. That was what he was doing in Oakland. That's not what's happening. But you still look at it, and you're right. It's like 
yeah, they gave up Daryl Hernandez, who, yes, was a top 20 prospect in the O system. But I would say there was less than a 25% chance that Hernandez ever made an impact with the O's at the big league level. Not sure. because of his, his talent, but because he was the 20th prospect and he was like the eighth-ranked middle infielder in the system because that's how loaded they were at shortstop, essentially. So they almost kind of didn't need him, and that was a really good guy to leverage for a trade. If you want to go get a pitcher who's really going to help you make a deep postseason run, you can't, you know, give up, you know, who's that kind of the next guy in that tier, like a Cesar Prieto. Like, you can't just say, oh, we have enough, you know, middle infielders. Let's go trade away Cesar Prieto. You need to give up the guy, not at the top of the ladder, not Jackson Holiday, but the Joey Ortiz, the Connor Norby, the Jordan Westberg, those next guys mm-hmm. on the rung of those middle infield prospects. And I think they're willing to deal them down the road, but I'm just unsure if they're willing to deal any of them for a rental. And I think that's somewhat of a smart way of doing business because you don't want to just have a guy for half a season and lose a guy like Jordan Westberg. But a lot of the best pitchers are rentals this year. It's going to be a really odd trade deadline just because of who's available for the Orioles. And unfortunately, Elias and Angelos are going to be able to use that as an excuse if they don't go get an ace. And they're going to say, hey, all the aces were rentals. We weren't willing to do that. And you're going to kind of have to side with them in some ways. And yet it'll still probably be frustrating after August 2nd. Yeah. The way you can look at it, I guess you kind of have to, you know, negotiate with yourself is the window just opened this year. You know what I mean? It's not like it's closing after this season. You've got to prepare yourself to be disappointed at the end of the day. Yeah, that's, yep. that's exactly what it, what it comes down to. And you're right. I'm not going to want to give up Jordan Westbrook, who I think is going to be a really solid big league player, for a guy who's not going to – for Andrew Miller. I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? That, that I'm not going to do that for a guy that's not going to be here after October. Um, it, it's and, and the other thing, Connor, is there's going to be 20 teams that think they're in it. There's going to be 20 yep. teams that think they're in it, and they all want starting pitching. So you're not just competing with the asking price of the, of the, of the team that the starting pitcher is on. You're competing with everybody else in the league who wants that same starting pitcher. It's going to be a crazy deadline. It's going to be super interesting to see what happens. And to your point, I'm not going to be surprised if they pull back and say, we got to just go in-house because we weren't willing to give up these guys for a rental. I think that that's a, a fair and accurate point. Um, Jorge Mateo. You having on your show prior to the season discuss Orioles infielders. We were talking about um, who do we think could be here at the big league level by the end of the season. Ortiz, Henderson, Westberg, we thought they could all, and even Connor Norby, we thought could all be here at the big league level. We were talking about maybe Ortiz could take Mateo's place with a really good spring, and then he got hurt. Mateo got off to a really hot start this year. Is the time fast approaching where you're making that move and you're making Joey Ortiz or Jordan Westberg or Gunnar Henderson your everyday shortstop and moving Mateo to a super utility role? I think the first move will be the Henderson move just because he's the only one in the big leagues right now after Ortiz got optioned. And it was tough to see Ortiz get optioned yesterday. I just think the O's kind of had to do it with Arias coming back. Mm -hmm. It was basically the no-brainer option just because I think we've all decided that Terran Bobber is an outfielder right now and, and no longer an infielder. So I think the uh, the move was unfortunately Ortiz. I think that Henderson move is honestly coming pretty soon. Yeah. Like I think sometime this week, I think we're going to see Gunnar Henderson playing some shortstop. And I think you'll see Mateo in there still against lefties. And I think you'll see him pinch run. And he may even come in as a defensive replacement at some points just because Arias has been a little worse defensively at third base. So maybe you could see late in game, Gunnar moves to third, Mateo goes to shortstop. Mm-hmm. But 
he's not just having a bad May, Paul. He's having one of the worst months in MLB history. He's got six hits in 60-plus at-bats in this month. Those are the numbers that got Cedric Mullins sent down in 2019, six for 64. Yeah. He has had one of the worst months. He's striking out at an even higher rate than he was last year when he was playing most of the year. I mean, he really had, I would say, the worst game in his Orioles career last night. He was he, bad. I believe went 0 for 3 with 3Ks. I don't know if he got a fourth at bat in that game or if he came out of the game first. But he was bad. He boots that double play, which, listen, Grayson wasn't pitching well. But it should have been 5-1 to one at least after four innings. And at that point, you probably take Grayson out. But we've seen this Orioles team before. You give them 5-1 to one after four innings, they got a real chance of coming back. When it's 10-1, to one, it's hard to keep the bats going when it's 10-1. to one. Right. When it's 5-1, to one, you're still in that game. And that was a tailor-made double play ball. And to not even get one out, but to boot that ball. And I get it. He's been still amazing defensively most of the other times. But it's been a little shakier. His defensive metrics are a little down this year. It's, it's hard to go up from what he was last year. But it's just... I mean, I wouldn't, like, send him down or DFA him. Like, he's still important to the roster yeah. because of what he can do without the bat in his hand. I just think it's time. And, and it's, it's working out perfectly, right? Because Gunner's finally heating up a little bit. Yeah. So it feels like the perfect time. you got to Rias back. You can stick him right back at third base. You can put Gunner at shortstop every single day. And you can just go at this point. And Adam Frazier's hitting well enough to, to lock down second at the moment. And I think you feel good with that infield. And... I would play him against lefties, but it's it's tough to watch right now. I mean, he he had those two at bats last night where he saw six pitches and swung and missed at all six of them and struck out. And they were all and in the same exact close. spot. They were all in the exact same yep. spot. I tweeted out that he swung and missed at the same pitch three times in a row in about thirty six seconds in his second at bat to yeah, strike out. And I mean, shout out to John Gray for seeing it the first time and saying, "Well, let me throw it again." And see it the second time and saying, "Well, let me throw it again." And, yep. and you know, good pitchers are just going to do that too if you show you can't hit it. And it's just it's it's really hard to watch. And again, if he's hitting, you know, if he's hitting two twenty this month, Paul, you're looking at the same player you had last year. You're saying, all right, this guy's a solid fill in at shortstop, but his speed doesn't work if he can't even get on first base. Right. That's really the big issue right here. He can't steal fifty bases in a year if he can't get himself to first base. Yeah, it, it, and he started out so good. We thought that he was a brand new player. They had really turned the corner offensively. He was looking like the best shortstop in baseball through April. And he's hitting, like you said, six for, what was it, six for 65 this month? Something it, like that. It, it, it's just been so bad. And, again, it's you, you run into the Grayson Rodriguez thing. This team is in contention. They are too good to trot out a guy who's going to give up eight runs in the start, and they're too good to trot out a guy who's going to hit below 100 in a full month of the season just because he's a good defender. I'm, I mean, th- might, you might as well bring Cesar Torres back. It's the same reason Tim Beckham didn't last, and and Tim Beckham was a horrible defender. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but it, they're they're very opposite defensively. But he would had a month where he was exceptional. The next month he couldn't hit anything, couldn't hit a beach yep. ball. So it's they moved on from him. They'll eventually move on from Mateo if this continues. He's got to become a more consistent player over a period of time. And his value is still there as a utility player. It's yeah. it's. And it's, he's probably more valuable to your team as a utility player because he's not in your lineup every night going 0 for 4 with three yeah. strikeouts and a double, not a double play ball because he's really fast, but you get the point there. Um, we got to move along here. I want to play a quick rapid-fire game with you, um, Connor, before we do take to rake here. So uh, we're going to do when will they be here, and then we're going to do will they stay here. So uh, kind of a rapid-fire thing here to end this part of the segment, if you don't mind. I'm ready. All right. 
Jordan Westberg, when will he be here? I will say never. Never. Plays on another team in the big leagues for the first time. Wow, never. I didn't see that coming. Colton Kalzer, when will he be here? Uh, after the All-Star break, shortly. Heston Kerstad. Opening day, 2024. And Jackson Holiday. Ooh. Jackson Holiday will be after the All-Star break, 2024. All right. All right. Now, will they stay here? Austin Hayes. Hmm. Yes. Anthony Santander. No. Ramon Arias. No. Jorge Mateo. No. And finally, Ryan Mountcastle. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, I wanted to give you the tough ones for the last ones with Jackson Holiday and Ryan Mountcastle. Mountcastle, I think he is who he is at this point. I was talking about him being potentially Austin Riley for the Orioles, and I just he swings and misses way too much. I, he is what he is at this point. All right, on to take the rake. Um, Zach took Austin Hayes last week. I took Adley Rutschman. Hayes went 8 for 22, 3 doubles, 5 RBIs, 1 walk, 4K, slash 364, 391, 500, 891. I took Adley Rutschman, 6 for 25, 1 home run, 2 RBIs, 5 walks, 2 Ks, 240, 367, 367, Zach took this one to take the overall lead in the take-to-rake season standings. About time. Three wins to two wins for me, to two <laughs> wins for the guests, to one win for Ryan Blake. So, Connor, because you've been on this show before, Zach is going to pick first, then you get to pick, and I'll pull up the rear. All right. I'm going to go with Cedric Mullins. Go back to the well with a guy that's always won it for me. Cedric, Cedric. Mullins. Okay. Connor? I'm going to I'm gonna take Gunnar Henderson because he's starting to heat up, and they play Cleveland this week, which is, remember, when he got called up last year and hit that home run. I know it'll be here instead of there, but I think that's a nice turning point for Gunnar Henderson. All right. So Cedric Mullins, Gunnar Henderson. I feel like Gunnar was your guy. I could tell. It was either – Mullins or, or Henderson because yeah. I took Rutschman last week. <laughs> I can't take him this week, even though I think that that game last night put him back on track. Ugh. I'm going to do it. I'm taking Ryan Mountcastle, even though I just said he is who he is. Okay. I think he's due for like a, a, a nice little home run streak here. So I'm going to take Ryan Mountcastle. It was him or Santander. It's going to be Ryan Mountcastle. He's going to maybe not a high average week, but I think he's going to have three or four home runs this week. So, all right, Connor. What do you got coming up? Uh, Locked on Orioles podcast, five days a week. I can guarantee you Monday's episode will be talking a, a good amount about the Grayson Rodriguez demotion. But I will say, you'll still have a chance to win a series. So hopefully I'm focusing more uh, on the good than the bad. But you can check it out wherever you get your pods five days a week. And also uh, check out the Locked on Orioles YouTube channel as well. All right, certainly looking forward to all of your content coming up in the next week. Hey, enjoy your long Memorial Day weekend. And we will talk to you soon down the line, all right? Thank you guys for having me on. Thanks, Connor. See him. Connor Newcomb joining the show with us today. Makes me want to sing. Oh, say have you seen all of Maryland's minor league baseball parks? PressBox is giving you the chance to check out all of them this summer. Head on over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest now and sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams. One Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. Must be 18 or older to enter. 
and the sweepstakes end June 14th. So get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now to sign up. When we come back in, we'll close things out with the better, with the better round and final thoughts. That's next on The Better Round. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the Ravens' 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 rural farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Orioles lineup is out. Uh, Mullins, Rutschman, Hayes, Mountcastle, Arias, McCann, Frazier, McKenna, Mateo. That's the O's lineup for tonight. McKenna, Mateo. For this afternoon, actually. McKenna, Mateo. But I love Hayes in the three-hole. That's a Santander, obviously, off. Is that what she said? And out of the lineup today. 
Man, you're really <laughs> you're really weird. You're a weird guy. You're you're a weird guy. The big rod getting demoted. The big rod. Uh, the, the, the the we can't talk about the big rod. The little rod at the major league level anymore. I'm the li- the little rod. Um, Who's the little rod? A rod? Uh, no, it's big rod now because the big rod's the little rod true. because he's been little on the field. Um, yeah, I don't I don't hate the lineup if you look at the matchups. Um, Austin Hayes is three for five with a home run in his career against Heaney. Um, Mateo also three for five with a home run and three RBIs. Um, Ryan McKenna one for one with an RBI. It's, Ryan McKenna gets the benefit of the doubt with the small sample sizes. He all sure the, does. All the freaking he sure does. That's because he's Superman. He's that's uh, what I like to call him. You know, super mediocre man. Um, <laughs> Ryan Mountcastle three for four, two home runs, four ribeye stakes. Cedric Mullins two for four with a home run, two ribeye stakes. Ramona Rios one for four with a home run. Uh, it's a um. It's a, it's a representative lineup based on the matchups. Yeah, I would um, agree. Yeah, it's it's. I, I don't hate the lineup today. You know, I, I, McKenna's been hitting enough that I'm not going to complain about him being in the lineup. Although I think he's back on a downward trend right now. Of course, I say that he'll have two hits, including a freaking home run today. Watch, um, which brings us to the better round, and there are two. Um, there are two. Where where are you? There you are. There are two parlays that I really like today, but I always like to go with the one that's going to make you the most money. So last week, I took. I told you to take the same game parlay at plus thirty-two sixty-two, the over on nine runs between the Orioles and um, who did they play last weekend? Uh, Blue Jays. Yeah, th- that's right. The over on nine runs between the Orioles and Blue Jays. That hit, the Orioles won 6-5 in extra innings. Adley Rutschman won plus total bases. That hit. George Springer, home run. That hit. Vladdy Jr. hit a home run. Miss. We were a Vladdy home run away from hitting on a, on a bet that would have won us $326.20. Um, and the thing is, I was at work when the game was, was being played, excuse me, and... The Orioles were down three to two, and I didn't know how the how the Blue Jays had scored that third run, that run. I'm like, maybe it was a home run, maybe it was Vladdy. It was Danny freaking Jensen. Danny Jensen hit. The, why are you muted? I just muted myself during the segment. I always do that. Oh. I don't know why. Uh, Dan, Danny Jensen was. Um, oh, I know why. I know why. Um, you can't have input on this. Uh, Danny Jensen. Also true. Danny Jensen uh, is the one who hit the home run. So I was like, yes. Ah, oh, crap. It would have been the biggest hit of my life. Three hundred twenty-six dollars and twenty cents. Mm. So what I like. Today is at plus sixteen forty one. So a ten dollar wager wins you one hundred and sixty four dollars and ten cents, or a hundred dollar wager wins you sixteen hundred and forty one dollars. Marcus Simeon to record two plus total bases. Corey Seager to record two plus total bases. Ryan Mountcastle to record two plus total bases, and Adley Rutschman to record two plus total bases. I really like that, and it's the bet that's going to win you the most money uh, for a parlay there. Um, as far as ones that are already set up on the Fendel uh, Sportsbook app, uh, which is what we go off of for these bets because they are a sponsor. Um, at plus 326, there's also the Baltimore Orioles on the money line. Cedric Mullins to record a hit. Ryan Mountcastle record a hit. Allie Rutschman record a hit. That's a good play, too, if you want to play either of those. But that one, you bet 10, you win 32.60. So not as big of a payday, but if you're just looking for the thrill of winning instead of the thrill of winning and winning good money, uh, do that one, too, unless you want to put 100 bucks on it and win $326. So uh, I like both of those plays a lot. We were this close to hitting that parlay last week. So 
Maybe this week, one of these two, maybe both of them will hit. We will see. Final thoughts before we close things out here. I think the biggest takeaway from the last week with me was that Gunnar Henderson is really turning things around mm-hmm. and that he is going to become a force in the middle of this lineup. And I, I really hope he gets more opportunities to hit in the middle of the lineup because I think he deserves that uh, based on the tear he's been on lately. And it, there's been a lot of signs of good things to come for him. So I'm excited to see what Gunnar Henderson does. And I think he will be a big part of making up for the losses that Jorge Mateo is bringing up at the moment. So... I think that Gunnar Henderson, big week's coming. Uh, excited to see that. It's my final thought. All right. My final thought is that I love uh, Austin Hayes batting third. Mm-hmm. Same. I, I, I love him being put into the middle of the order. I like uh, I like Anthony Santander. I don't like giving him the day off, but I like separating his bat from Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah. That's what I think the deal Reels need to do moving forward. Yep. I think that their lineup... Tomorrow should be Santander three, Hayes four, Mountcastle five, and leave it there. He could be six too. Yeah, wouldn't bother and, me. And if you want to put Henderson five, and, sure. ju- and just leave it there. I like that a lot, actually. Leave it there. Uh, Gives you more variety with righty lefty too. Yeah, Sw- it, it, switch hitter with Santander, Hayes in the three hole righty, then uh, Gunnar Henderson lefty, Mountcastle righty at six. Frazier seven lefty just goes back and forth. It like also that. it also gives you if they're facing a righty. Left-handed Cedric Mullins, left-handed Rutschman, left-handed Santander, mm-hmm. right-handed Hayes, left-handed uh, Henderson. So four of your first that's five true. hitters are, le- are left-handed. But if you're facing the righty and you're in Camden Yards, that's not necessarily the worst thing in the yeah. world. You know, um, I'd have Mateo leading off against lefties because that's the only success not, he's had. He's not hitting anybody. He's not. He's but not hitting anybody. You you got to bat him ninth, and at this point, it's getting damn close that you don't play him every day anymore. That's probably it's, true. It's getting yeah. damn close. He's been I, really bad lately. Yeah. Right. So a couple of days ago, he had a couple of balls. He hit over 100 miles an hour off the bat that were outs. Um, so I thought that he – I was tempted to take him until he went 0 for 3 and wasn't close to anything he swung yeah. at yesterday. Yeah. So um, – it's going to be an opportunity for the Orioles to pick up a win and then have a rubber game tomorrow. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what this lineup can do because all the guys that are playing have pretty good numbers against Heaney. And I think they torched him the last time they played him. I think that was the game that they won 7-2. to two. So I'm very interested to see what's going to happen here uh, moving forward with this lineup today. And then I really want to see Santander, Hayes, Mountcastle, or Hayes, Henderson, Mountcastle hitting 3-4-5 or 3-4-5-6 starting tomorrow and moving forward. All right, I told Zach we'd be out of here by 12.30. Thank you to all of our guests. Stay on the fan trails for this weekly segment. Kyle Newcomb for another excellent segment, as always. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Without you, we don't have a show. Thanks to all of our fans. Without you, we really don't have a show. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy your beautiful holiday weekend. Happy Memorial Day. Thank you to all of our veterans for their service. You're the reason we do this Memorial Day weekend, so thank you very much. Till next week. Actually, no show next week be the best of next week, I guess, of the Bat Around. We'll see you in two weeks. See ya!